Hello and welcome to the 37th edition of the Two Black to Nerdy podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm your host, Chris. And today we have a wonderful panel of guests here today to discuss all things Star Wars. Um, when this episode comes out, it should be out before uh, Star Wars Day. I think that's the goal, Chris. So, um, yeah, that's going to be the whole topic for the episode. Um, we've got a wonderful uh, list of guests here. Um I don't know who exactly wants to go first. Um, Chris, yeah, so, you wanna? Yeah, I'll, I'll play. Uh, I'll play just victim. I'm gonna call on you like I'm a teacher. Uh, but yeah, let <laughs> uh, let the people know who you are and where they can find you. Uh, we'll start off with Jeff. Hi, I'm Jeff. Um, my TikTok is Jeff Clepper 99. I overanalyze nerdy things, and sometimes I'm funny. <laughs> I don't know. There's not much to say about that. But um, that's how I met Mr. Christopher over there, Christopher with a K. Um, I came across his TikTok page, and I was like, this guy's kind of smart. And then there were a couple times I was like, I disagree with him, but yeah, he's smart. And this is, this is me scrolling through this page, by the way. I don't know if that was clear. All right. Uh, I'll go with Sawyer. Hello, uh, I'm Sawyer. I'm Sawyerism on TikTok and Instagram. Um, and what was the third question? No, was that, that it? Was, yeah, that was it. Okay. Well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hannah. Yes, hi. Uh, my name's Hannah, and you can find me on TikTok at Discount Bogatan. Brandon. Yo, I am Darth Chaco. Um, Darth, Darth Chaco on TikTok, on Instagram, on Darth Chaco Seven on uh, Twitter, and yeah, talk Star Wars with me sometime. Pep, you're next. Oh, found someone you have. Hmm? Uh, I'm Element Seven on TikTok underscore Element Seven underscore Element Seven on YouTube. Element X style on Instagram, Element Seven spelled out X on Twitter. I know it's a it's a handful, but trust me, follow me and Chaco. We are a dyad, and we are trying to change the Star Wars community for the better, along with everyone else here. And you were muted, Chris. All right, Marianne. Hi, I'm Marianne, and I'm screaming namaste on TikTok. B. Hi, I'm B. Um, I'm Bina Bees on everywhere that's relevant. Um, TikTok, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Yeah, Bina Bees everywhere um, if you're looking for me. Um, yeah, uh, I do cosplays and just rant in my pajamas about anything I find cool and nerdy, Star Wars, anime, you name it. <laughs> I love your content, by the way. Oh, thank you. Same I'm, yeah, I'm still looking forward to having you on Dyad. Oh, I, I'm looking forward to it, too. All right. And then we have uh, my older brother, Robert. 
What's going on, everybody? My name is Robert. Uh, you can find me on anywhere on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Breezy2345. I'm not on TikTok yet, but I hope to join sometime soon. But you can find me anywhere else at Breezy2345. No, no. Let let it be my thing. You stay off. <laughs> you finally get your own thing, but I can't have my own thing. Got it. I see. I'm the, no, I'm side. the youngest. That's how it works. Um, let's see. And then, Steve, I think you got in here. Hello. How's it going? Good. Uh, so we're just saying names and where people can find you. I am Explosivo Sia. My name is Steve. My handle is Explosivo Steve on all platforms, but mainly TikTok. Thank you. Star Wars content. All right. So thank you all for being here today. So we're going to start off with some lightning round questions. Get everybody, uh, the audience, a feel for uh, some of your favorite things in this wonderful fandom and wonderful universe that we call Star Wars. So the the first question is going to be, how did you get introduced to Star Wars? So we're going to go in that same order. Jeff, kick us off. Okay. So when I was about nine years old, I had heard like the basics about it. I'd heard it was like a huge thing, but I hadn't seen any of the movies. And then one day my mom was like, hey, do you guys want to watch it? And we had them on VHS. That's how long ago it was. Um, we popped them in and we watched them and then like we were, we immediately fell in love with it. Two nights later, we watched Empire. And then two nights afterwards, we actually got like this huge widescreen TV for our downstairs. We went down and we watched it. And from there, like the rest is history. All right, Sawyer. Yeah, I think I, I, I mean, I, I can't remember a time where I didn't have Star Wars in my life. My parents were, like, super into it, but I they introduced me to the originals, and then um, Attack of the Clones was my favorite when I was really little, um, and I wasn't allowed to watch all of Revenge of the Sith when it came out. I remember, like, begging my mother to let me watch it, but I only got to see a few scenes, um, and um, so, yeah, I've always been a Star Wars fan since I was born, pretty much. All right, Hannah. Yeah, um, when I was like, I don't know, seven years old, maybe my brother got um, a like box set of the original trilogy for Christmas and I got a Barbie movie and I really wanted to watch the Barbie movie and everyone else wanted to watch the Star Wars movies and I was really pissed off about it. Um, I was like, this is a boy movie. I don't want to watch it. And then they told me there was a princess and I was subdued and I paid attention. <laughs> and that was all it took. <laughs> Awesome. Brandon. Yeah, I mean, uh, my mom is a closet nerd uh, and had an old VHS tape of Empire Strikes Back that I watched literally until it fell apart. Um, so, yeah, the non-special edition Empire has a, a place in my heart because of uh, it's probably my most watched movie still. Okay. Pep. Uh, typical, typical experience. Uh, I had an older brother. He, um, you know, we shared a room and he came home one day with the VHS for a new hope. And he's like, we're watching this. And I was like, what am I going to do? Um, he put it on. I started watching. It, I was like, I'm a bigger fan than you now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then like, you know, it, it went off from there, but basically the, the line, which goes hand in hand with my favorite, my most memorable moment is uh, it's as if a million voices cried out in terror and suddenly disappeared. That's when I was like, what? 
All right, Marianne. Um, so I got into Star Wars when A New Hope was re-released in the movie theater. I think it was like 1997. Um, my mom took my brother and I, and I loved it. Um, and I've pretty much been obsessed ever since. All right, B. Um, the Phantom Menace was actually my first movie in a movie theater. I was like two, I think. They were like doing a re-release or something, and my dad had me that weekend. And he was like, I want to go watch this movie. Um, I guess I'm taking my two-year-old child to the theater <laughs> um, and hope, like, she doesn't cry. And I didn't. I was quiet the whole time. And I just stared up at the screen, apparently. This is the story that I've been told my whole life. So he's always said that I was a Star Wars fan since, like, an infancy um, before I even knew what anything was. Um, yeah, Star Wars has always just been part of my life. All right, Rob. All right, so uh, I want to say the first time I ever saw Star Wars was when I was four years old. It's actually the first movie I ever remember ever seeing or remember that I've seen. I was at my aunt and uncle's house in Ohio. They had the VHS tapes of the original trilogy. Um, I watched the first one, and then I, I tried to steal the rest of the tapes and take them home with me, and they stopped me at the door. Um, I am 31 years old now. I've tried to get those tapes several times over my lifetime and I have not been successful any of these times, but I was four years old. And, um, when I was, when I got older and bought my own, when I was able to get the own, my own set of VHS tapes, I would lock myself in my parents' room. That's where the only VCR was. And I would watch all three every single weekend and then I'll come out and then, you know, do regular activities. But uh, that's me, Star Wars stage four. All right. And Steve. Uh, yeah, uh, a little movie called Phantom Menace was coming out and, uh, my dad was super excited and I was like, what's Star Wars? And he was like, all right, we're going to fix this right now. And he showed me all of, uh, the original trilogy on VHS. And from there, I was just absolutely addicted. I'm very happy that I got to see the originals before seeing any of the prequels and loving them. All right. Uh, Chris, what was your introduction to Star Wars? Oh, <laughs> you guys are, man, I, I'm really intimidated. So, <laughs> um, so uh, I, I'm a big nerd. I'm in a lot of fandoms. Star Wars was not one of them at all uh, growing up. So my first like, actual Star Wars movie was The Force Awakens. I saw it in college. And I actually, I enjoyed it. I had, I had a really good time. And after seeing that, I went back, I went back and watched all the older movies. Um, seen Rogue One, seen The Mandalorian. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, still kind of dipping my toes. But I can, I understand why people love Star Wars. I know there's just, I just feel like there's so much I haven't seen yet. And I'm so old. Not, I'm not old, but like, you know, I got into it so late. But, um... Yeah, for me, it was actually The Force Awakens, which I think is, um, might, that might be rare for a lot of folks. No, I think uh, The Force Awakens brought a whole new audience to Star Wars, which is wonderful. Um, I, I'll tell my story, but Robert's going to dispute it or at least add his own details to it. So during one of his weekend watches, I was um, calmly walking around the house and I was like, oh, what's this? And, you know, being uh, my well-behaved like toddler self, I, I sat down oh, and watched Star right. Wars with him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had to strap him down because he would not shut up the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> him going that he calm is not true in the slightest. Um, so I had to strap him down to make sure he would sit down and watch the film. But yeah, definitely, uh, 
yeah, I'm going to dispute all those facts right there. Fake, fake news. Uh, so uh, the next, the next one, and I know for some people this is a very difficult question, and it generally goes to whichever one I watched last. Uh, but what is your favorite Star Wars movie? Uh, we'll start off with Chris. Oh man, my my favorite Star Wars movie. Hmm. You know, I will say since I only knew know so much about the franchise, um, I mean, I think as far as objectively being the best, um, it's probably Empire Strikes Back. But I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed Rogue One quite a bit. I will say the first time I saw it, I was like, it was a fun movie. I had a good time. I know that it's a little. I don't know if that one's controversial as much. It's not. Um, it's not Last Jedi, but yeah, I, I enjoy Rogue One, but I would say I think objectively Empire is probably the best movie. Rogue One is controversial depending on who you ask. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll go Steve. Is this thing on? Uh, my favorite is the original holidays, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, probably Empire. <laughs> awesome. awesome man. I was going to say, I don't know if that's controversial, but... Uh, Respect. No, yeah, thank you. Uh, life Day Forever. Um, no, my, my favorite's definitely Empire. I think there's just so many lines... Um, just so many like great lines in that movie that always stuck with me, mostly from Yoda. Uh, that just... Whenever I think back to which one affected me the most out of all of them, it's always Empire. And I know that's like, like everybody's like, oh, it's clearly the best film. And I'm like, well, I mean, I have a personal attachment to it. So regardless of if you think that or not, it's like, I know what I love. So Empire is mine. All right. B. Uh, maybe I'll get booed off the call, but um, The Last Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I usually get reactions like, you're what? Um, but yeah, it was like the best theater experience I've ever had. So that's my favorite. All right. Uh, Marianne. Um, so I sort of like whichever one I'm watching most recently. I'm like, oh, this one's my favorite. But I mean, of all time, I would probably say A New Hope. And that's just because I have such a nostalgic attachment to it. Um, you know, remember seeing it as a kid on the big screen. So I have a lot of nostalgia tied to that movie. And I feel like it's really such a complete story. You know, whereas a lot of the other ones, they sort of bleed into the movie after it. And I feel like A New Hope is just very, like, complete. And it's just this classic story. And um, I think it's probably my favorite overall. Robert. All right. So mine is like 1A and 1B. I, I have to put Empire as 1A, but then Revenge of the Sith is 1B. I love both those movies the most. I've, those are probably the, both, the the two Star Wars movies I've seen the most, the Empire and Revenge of the Sith. Uh, but yeah, those would be my 1A and 1B. Pep. It historically went from empire to the last jedi but i recently i have been not forced but compelled to re-examine the last jedi a lot more and that has shifted the paradigm as uh, chris would say um so the last jedi is my first film or not first but most favorite all right what about you brandon yeah, uh, so as you guys know, I watched Empire like the most, and 
as a result of that, I ended up, um, by the way, Yoda saying, you will be, scared the crap out of me as a kid. Uh, but the Return of the Jedi was my favorite because it was different than what I had watched a million times. Getting older, Empire becomes number one, but more recently, The Last Jedi has uh, surpassed it as of a couple months ago. All right. Well, my screen totally shifted around, so I'm not even sure who I haven't called on at this point. Uh, but I think Sawyer, I haven't called on you yet. Okay. So I hate answering this question because everybody gives me shit for it. But uh, I would agree that objectively, Empire is the best one. But my favorite to watch is The Rise of Skywalker for, multi- for a multitude of reasons. All right. Interesting. Hannah. Last Jedi, baby. We love it. Add another one on the heap. <laughs> All right, uh, Jeff. Well, evidently, I'm the only prequel stand in here because <laughs> my favorite is, um, well, my favorite's The Revenge of the Sith because, you know, one of the things that I take the most seriously when I watch a movie as a film student is the key thing that I look for is storytelling. And I think that. Overall, I think it's the best story-wise. It has the culmination of how many years of the Republic all being brought down by someone who carefully planned out to topple it and create his empire. It's how Anakin turned to the dark side. I think it has some of the best fights. There's tons of problems with it that are not really disputable, and there's always going to be scenes that I watch and I wince, but... Overall, it's always going to be my favorite just because I appreciate it so much as a Star Wars fan. All right. Uh, And so we have been joined by uh, my dyad running on CPT. Um, Nicole, so to catch you up, uh, let the the people know where to find you. um, And then how did you get introduced to Star Wars and what is your favorite Star Wars movie? And I think you're muted. Can anyone else hear her, or is it just me? Nope. No. We can't. Nope, can't hear you. Nope. <laughs> We're gonna play the whisper challenge. I can. I can hear her, <laughs> but only through the force. <laughs> what's What's that? Revenge of the Sith is your favorite. It's actually, Attack oh. of the Clones, Jeff. I'm actually I'm one of the few people who's like I kind of like it no Revenge of the Sith is my favorite yeah it's my second favorite so it's up there respect I'll honestly have to say Attack of the Clones is probably my favorite Star Wars experience in a theater because when Yoda pulled out his lightsaber the the crowd erupted. I there's only three times that I've ever been in a film in a theater where a crowd has erupted like that. Once with Star Wars, Endgame, and uh, Dreamgirls. Only three ever I've ever had it happen in the theater. So I was I was there in Dreamgirls. I was not expecting Dreamgirls when you said that. I was like Endgame, okay. I was like Dreamgirls, okay. Yeah, no. After after Jennifer after Jennifer Hudson stops uh, or finishing, (laughs) and I'm telling you. Everybody stood up. It was like you were at a Broadway show. That's that's how it was. They erupted. So, all right, I, I will I will say uh, my favorite um, as we're waiting for Nicole. So my my favorite is Empire, um, 
and and then I guess A New Hope is my second favorite. Uh, it's close though, but it, it's Empire. All right. Um. So this this one I think will will go quickly. Um. I, I'll start it off with Who is your favorite Jedi? Mine is Plo Koon. I am definitely a Plo's bro. Um. Stop your smiling, Robert. Stop it. Um. Uh, so yeah, so we'll go with Marianne. Who's your favorite Jedi? Um, so I feel like it's very close. Um, I always usually just say for my favorites are Luke, Leia, and Ray. It's hard for me to just pick one. Um, I really enjoyed Ray's story and finally seeing a female Jedi have that hero's journey. I loved. Um, I loved seeing Jedi Leia and Rise of Skywalker. It's one of the reasons why that's my favorite out of the sequel trilogy. And um, obviously Luke, like I grew up with the original trilogy. I love Luke, so I can't really just pick one. All right, all right. Uh, B. Well, I'm sure some of you have seen my video of me roasting the Jedi, so I really don't <laughs> mind answering this question. Um, uh, man, I would probably have to say Plo Koon as well. I really dig him. I, I have the least beef with him. <laughs> <laughs> yes um, Steve uh, Mine is normally a toss up Between uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan uh, But I, if we got more Qui-Gon in anything I, He would definitely be at the height of it Like I've read Master and Apprentice and that just made me love him Even more But um, And you know Obi-Wan's ginger So <laughs> Gotta love him Alright uh, Jeff uh, for the longest time, it was Anakin, but then I realized that a lot of that was based off of the hype that I had for Star Wars The Clone Wars. Looking at it from, like, outside of it, Darth Vader doesn't really count, and in the prequel movies, his dialogue could have been a lot tighter, so it's just, it didn't fit for me. But Obi-Wan Kenobi has always been someone who I've loved watching. He's got some very funny moments. He's the master of Sorsu. Um, his lightsaber is my favorite in all of Star Wars in Episode 3, which, trying to find a replica of it, and I can't find it, that doesn't cost $500,000. I love how you've, you've sort of internalized the Obi-Wan as well, because you keep doing his, his chin stroke that he always does. I'm obsessed with that. That's so great. <laughs> That's just a nervous tick. <laughs> all right. Uh, Hannah. Um, my favorite character who is a Jedi would probably have to be Ahsoka, but I don't know that she's my favorite as a Jedi. I think my favorite, like, as a Jedi would have to be Luke, if that makes any sense. Revenge is not the Jedi way. Uh, Brandon. Uh, so, I am also a Plo Koon stan. Um, I mean... Playing Jedi power battles growing up, that was that was that was it. Um that being said, uh since we have the High Republic now, it's a uh, Loden Great Storm to me is like a cross between Plo Koon and Mace Windu. Like like Plo Koon up front, Mace Windu, like when it's business <laughs> time. Uh and I am I'm, I'm loving that as well. So it might get surpassed, but Plo for now. All right, all right. Rob. That's interesting. I've actually never really had to think about that, but if I had to, first one that comes to mind is Mace Windu. Uh, one of my favorite Star Wars books that I read as a kid was Shatterpoint, and ever since then, I became a huge Mace Windu fan, and just about how he studies everything, how his lightsaber technique, and how he 
looks for the weaknesses and enemies. I just fell in love with that story as a kid. So I'll probably say Mace Windu, then Obi-Wan, then probably Anakin, but I would say Mace is definitely number one. And plus the purple lightsaber. Come on, man. Right. Yep, yep, yep. I think uh, the orange lightsaber was a draw for me for Plo Koon. I am in orange lightsaber gang. Um, let's see. Uh, Chris. Hmm. <clears throat> um. I don't know. Yoda's cool. I've always, uh, always been a big Yoda fan. I'll go with Yoda. Not a wrong answer. Uh, Sawyer, have I called? I don't, I don't think I've called any. Yeah. Sawyer. Um. No, you haven't. But I'm still sitting here trying to think what I want my answer to be. But Revan. probably. Oh, stop! Do not <laughs> answer for me. Um. <laughs> But to be fair, I was thinking about it, and I always people always say like, "Oh, you love Revan." I only love him as a Jedi, so we'll go with that because I don't, I don't vibe with the Darth Revan thing. So yes, we'll go with that. <laughs> All right, and B. I believe I answered. Um, okay, all right. Yeah. My screen, my screen keeps switching around. So because I was using it as a tracker, and then you wooed. I'm like, uh, oh no, okay. yeah, no, I went Plo Koon all the way. All right. Uh, okay, so Nicole, can can we hear you? No. No, we can't can't hear you. Okay, now. Yes, now we can hear you. Thank the maker. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or not. You're fine. You're the first one. You bro- you, oh. you you broke the seal. Somebody, was going I gotta to. say, it's like right. before you, anyone joined the call, the first thing I asked was, "Can I curse?" Yeah, somebody oh. was going to. It's all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'll do my uh, best. Uh, yes. Okay. Great. Perfect. Oh. All right. So yeah. So uh, let the people know where they can find you. Um, how did you get introduced to Star Wars? <laughs> Uh, your favorite Star Wars movie and your favorite Jedi. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, so you can find me on TikTok at Nicole Maricela. Um, I got into Star Wars. Um, I think how most new fans have gotten into it, uh, watching the Mandalorian first and then going into, uh, the movies and, uh, into Clone Wars after, um, favorite movie either has to be Rogue One or The Last Jedi. I can't pick. Please don't come for my neck. I'm just picking one. I can't. I love them both so equally as much. And um, favorite Jedi has to be Obi-Wan. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, so I'm live on TikTok, so I have to do it for the chat. People are like, someone give my boy Kanan some love. Uh, <gasps> so so Kanan Jarrus. Uh <laughs> I feel like I am such a fake Kanan Jarrus fan. Can I change my answer? <laughs> Ow. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just going to see myself out. Like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Um, next question. I'm going to start this one off with, with Sawyer. Uh, so Sawyer, Thanks for skipping me, bud. Oh, my bad, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Pat, who is your favorite? It it's, a, it's a generic answer anyway. Uh, it teeters between Luke and, and Obi-Wan. Every time I la- watch The Last Jedi, it goes back to Luke. Um, but if I'm going to give it to just like my diet, if I'm going to um, honorable mention an upcoming character from the High Republic that's been making waves, um, I'm going to have to mention Orla Jereni. Okay. All right. 
so, so yes, this Sawyer, this next question is specifically for you. Um, who is your favorite Sith and why is it Darth Nihilus? <laughs> <laughs> Got him. She left preemptively for that. <laughs> <laughs> she knew what was coming. Um, but yeah, no, so I'll, I'll just open it up to the, to the floor now so I don't forget people. So who, who is your favorite Sith? Darth Maul. Same. <laughs> Darth Vader is ultimately always going to be king badass of Star Wars. You, I, I, I got to go with my boy Palps. You got to love a mustache twirler, you know? <laughs> he commits. He, he committed hard. He didn't have one. No, but he's just that type of bad guy where he's like, he's just bad. He's always going to be bad. There's no. He's stroking a spiritual mustache. Yeah. I've got you now, Luke Skywalker. If he, if he stroked, if he stroked a force stash. Ooh, I like that. Once more, the Sith will grow the snipey whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> that whole creepy turning around in the chair thing going on, yeah. Great. <laughs> I I have to go with uh, the the one I sound like. Uh, you know, you don't know the power of the dark side. Yes. <laughs> I got to agree on Vader. Give love to Dooku yet? Because I will. I'll do it. I'll be the one. Okay. All right. Sawyer, why is uh, Nihilus your favorite Sith Lord? No. No. But he's Star Wars Galactus. <laughs> I will leave this call so fast. You can cut the tension in here with a knife. <laughs> All right, but who is your favorite Sith Lord? Lord Vitiate. Okay. Yeah. Respect. <laughs> All right. I know a few people haven't answered. I know some people have nodded in agreement. Uh, so, uh, Chris, do you have a favorite Sith Lord? I, I know your numbers are limited. Uh, <laughs> my numbers are limited. Uh, <laughs> you know what? You know what? To be uh, to be different, I'll say uh, I'll say Kylo Ren. Ooh. Ooh. Hey, she different. Kylo is not a Sith. So will one of the lore masters explain the difference? <laughs> uh, one is an order that follows a uh, you know that follows a code that has certain set techniques that are exclusive to that order. Got it. And, one is just the dark side user. It's like being a barista. It doesn't mean you work at Starbucks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's actually that's a really that's good funny. analogy. Kylo's clearly my favorite. He's like over my shoulder and I have a stuffed animal on my bed, so I completely understand your answer. <laughs> that's what I meant, Brandon, by a simpler analog. Yeah. <laughs> so barista, just like hot girl. Anyway, uh, Marianne, have you answered? I mean, I don't really have a favorite. I'm, 
I just, I'm not one of those people that likes, you know, the bad guys and anything. You know, I know there's people that like love villains and stuff. I'm just not one of those people. I'm just, I don't really care. I'm kind of indifferent about the Sith. Ventress. She hasn't <laughs> seen Clone Wars. Oh. I've seen, I've seen some of Clone Wars. It's just, I don't know. I haven't sat down and watched it all. All right. Um, let's see. Has anybody not answered? I haven't. No one cares. Oh, uh, <laughs> you're just going to show out now because you're with all your friends right now. I'm going to let you have that. Moment. I'm going to let you have that. Moment. Don't act like you don't do the same thing. All right, no, but uh, who's your favorite Sith Lord? Uh, first, I'd have to probably give it to my boy Sheev, Sheev Palpatine. I mean, how he orchestrated the fall of the Jedi. I played both sides of the fence and, you know, corrupted the chosen one, you know. I, I would feel that uh, that deserves a lot of high praise. And then, of course, then this Vader, but I would probably give it to Palpatine first. Just how he straight masterful planned everything. Just All right. Has anybody else not answered? Going once. Going twice. All right. Moving into... Uh, I will amend my answer. Okay. Um, it's going to be loaded in Great Storm. It's not yet. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. All right. Um, who is your favorite pilot? Poe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say brother in the vest, Han Solo. I'm going to say Chewie. Oh, it's a good one. Hera. Hera love. We love to see it. Han, he's my boy. Okay, yeah, Chewie, and then Hera. <laughs> so it's it's a book only answer, but but uh, soaring keys. Uh, if you've read the latest Alphabet Squadron book, the final one. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, he, yeah. Uh, but but to things people will actually know about, I might still give it to my boy Plo Koon. He knew his way in the, in, around the skies. It's true. Okay, Chewie, Hera, and then Geode. <laughs> uh, yeah, so to differentiate from my, my favorite Jedi and staying on brand, I have to go with my boy Lando. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Porkins. <laughs> nobody said Porkins. I'm nobody said Rest in peace, big guy. Rest in peace, boy. Gotta pour one out for Porkins real quick. Yeah. <laughs> also, shout out to Wedge. Yeah, it's a yep, Wedge. wedge yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right, uh, Chris. Do you have a favorite pilot? Um. Yeah, I'd probably go with Lando. All right, two for Lando. That's what I like to hear. All right, uh, and then the last lightning round question: What is your favorite Star Wars era? Right now, it's the High Republic. Mm-hmm. I'm not that deep into it, but I gotta go Old Republic. I think. That is the or- correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> Original trilogy is my happy place. It's the it's the reason why I can I actually really enjoy Rogue One at times is just because I like seeing Original Trilogy era look yeah. really really good. I might have to agree with that for sure. Same with me, minus the Rogue One sentiments. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to go prequels, prequel era. 
Yes, I'm, I'm not alone. Yeah, I was I'm going to go prequels too. Prequels too. I'll go prequels. Yeah, I have Sorry for cutting you off, Jeff. Well. No, it's okay. Rob and Brandon, you're both invited to my wedding. <laughs> I would have to say prequel era too because I feel like that's the era that we know most about like what's going on politically I have to get into um, High Republic because I'm excited about that um, but yeah for now prequel era I'm alone <laughs> <laughs> oh High Republic is fast becoming my favorite but it, it we, we don't have the breadth uh, there quite yet but yeah, it's coming I, I need to see what they do with Ty Yorick first Oh, we're going to talk about that a little <laughs> bit Ooh, on Diag. All right. Uh, and Chris. Um, all right. So I don't know. I don't. So, okay. Actually, this is a good, this is a good uh, time. What are the names for all the eras, right? So the prequel era, is there, what's the official name for that era of movies? Would the it be like the Jedi, Jedi Order? Hmm? It's the Fall of the Jedi. Follow the Jedi, and then the era of like the original trilogy. What would that era be called? Rise of the Empire, I believe. Age of the Rebellion, maybe. Galactic Civil War. Okay, <laughs> that'd probably be my favorite. And then the uh, the era of the the newer movies. What would uh, what would that be called? New Republic. New Republic. Okay, fair enough. The Controver- Cool controversy. <laughs> The hashtag not Jeff's head cannon. Hashtag saltier than crate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, Chris, I'm, I'm going to let you take it away with uh, getting into the original trilogy. All right. Uh, so I get to moderate all the uh, the easy questions that I kind of understand. So um, <clears throat> so we're going to get into talking about the original trilogy. Um, this This part is just about the movies only. For those of you where the original trilogy was your introduction to Star Wars, what are some of your fondest memories with this uh, trilogy? And it looks like Jeff and then uh, Rob want to go first, and then afterwards anybody can go. So, uh, Jeff, you can go first. Yeah, so like I said, when I was watching, uh, I watched the original trilogy with my family at age nine, and I watched it with my mom, dad, brother, and sister. It um, It was a lot of fun. And then... Me and my brother were staying over at my aunt and uncle's house, and they happened to have the prequel movies, so we watched them together. And so this is more of like a widespread across the board, every single movie. But me and my brother have a tra- like a tradition of sorts. When a new movie comes out, we go and see it with each other, be it in the theaters, or if we can't make it, then we wait for it to come out and we watch it there. The TV shows were a little less strict on, but... Honestly, the the best memories I have with the OG and just Star Wars in general is watching it with my family members. All right. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Robert, I believe uh, you want the answer next. Uh, yeah. So watching Star Wars as a four-year-old kid, it's what made me want to be a filmmaker. Watching it at four and seeing everything that happened, I'll go, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Uh, make wh- whoever made this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So it um, it definitely lit a fire within me of something that I wanted to do, a passion I didn't even know I had because, you know, I was four. But also the fondest memories, I would have to agree with Jeff, is watching with my family. Like Chris and I, we watch a trilogy every year. Um, so we will watch one trilogy one year and then watch another trilogy the next. And um, this past year was the, uh, the sequel trilogy, which was kind of 
interesting to get through um to watch them all back to back to back um because we hadn't done that yet so but we tend to watch either the prequels or the original trilogy and now adding the sequel trilogies to that to those rewatches as well but you know spending time with my family watching it's always been a been a great memory Does anybody uh anybody else got any memories with the original trilogy they want to uh bring up at all I will say, like, sort of related to the story I told before, um, I I do distinctly remember it. I remember very little from watching A New Hope um, when I was young. Um, but I do distinctly remember the first time I saw Leia. And then I was like, oh, she's pretty. Oh, I like her. And I was engaged. And then I remember distinctly the first time I saw Leia in action. And I think that was, like, core memory created, you know, for, for me. That was that was an experience for sure to see her. Um busting her way out of out of the death star um i think that was that was very like significant to me as a little kid i definitely have a fond memory of the first time i became yoda's padawan um like the first (laughs) time that he got introduced in empire and he started describing the forest and we were in this like marshland swamp planet i was like i was like i want to be your student um it it propelled it propelled my world building and mythology interests to new heights and that that's always going to be in my head just the the start of it all was yoda yeah i mean i i have something similar empire strikes back um as as a kid a when yoda first appears to this day i still laugh hysterically when he's like just bumbling around uh as a kid i mentioned it before when he makes a switch to serious yoda scared the living crap out of me uh as a kid and um also a special memory is my little brother would bust up laughing as a child every time um, in Return of the Jedi, uh, Nayo Numb uh, says, Atehede mudia mudia amukia, huh? And my little brother would just bust up laughing every time. So I would say that to him over and over. I still do. He still laughs. Uh, he's 25 now. So it's funny. Uh, yeah, I'd have to, to co sign. Um, my brother, like Robert said, we, we do trilogy time. Um, and that that's always fun to do. Um, I think the original trilogies, it, it's just that feeling of adventure and that the there is this galaxy of possibilities out there and it's just seamless to just sort of sink into that world and just be immersed by it. All right. Well, we're going to go to the next question. Um, and it looks like Jeff wants to be the first to answer this one as well. Um, <laughs> what is it about this trilogy that was able to create a cultural phenomenon? Well, I mean, I look at it from a film perspective. Uh, this was just something that no one had ever seen before. I mean, they had seen things that were similar to it, but they hadn't seen anything on the scale that they had seen it before. And it kind of paved the way for sci-fi and for just fantasy movies in general to sell adventure stories. So, you know, you look at it, the story's nothing too special. Like, you know, guy has to oppose the force of nature that is the bad guys and go save the princess and save the day and all that. 
But because of the finer details and because of George Lucas's expert world building, he was able to introduce people to a story that was unlike any almost anyone had ever seen before or even thought of nonetheless. And the effects were good, but it wasn't the only thing that kind of brought people on board with the stories and with the movies. So then when Empire Strikes Back comes out and they throw the ultimate curveball at the end, then that's about the time when people went from loving the movie to just being overly fascinated by it. It's not for everyone, but the people who enjoy it enjoy it for different reasons, but they all enjoy it nonetheless. Yeah, I feel like it was like the creation of like a modern mythos. Like it reminds I'm I'm an English major, so um I really enjoy and I think Star Wars had a large part of that cuz that's really was like my interest in like uh mythology because, you know, Campbell's monomyth that most of the Star Wars um stories follow and things like that. And it has like I feel like it's had all the right pieces in the right place that it just conjoined to make this like really cool things like like the filmmaking was new again nothing like it was like a mixture mixture of things that people had seen before but in a new way like reinvented a lot of things to tell this new story that has still like if someone ever said that they're remaking the star wars movies like i'm pretty sure people would have like i know they like to do a lot of remakes and reboots but star wars is something that you there's it's never going to be the same as it was in that moment when it was introduced so perfectly with all these new techniques that just blew everyone out of the water. Yeah. My answer is much shorter, um, primarily because everyone had such great answers for it, but laser swords and the force. No one who watched these movies did not try to get their remote that way. No one. Everyone. (laughs) Yeah. I like how we're giving all these deep answers and you're just giving the obvious one, which is probably the correct one. They have swords that literally cut through anything. (laughs) What else do you need? Yeah, starships too. But yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the most, that's, that's the answer that comes to my mind is that the first thing I did besides like oogle and, and, and awe at this new world was give me my remote. <laughs> yeah, no, I would have to agree that it was what Jeff was saying about how there was nothing that really came before it that was exactly like it. I mean, you had things that were similar but not exactly like Star Wars. It also, you could say it was the first real blockbuster. I mean, you could argue that Jaws was the first blockbuster, but you know, it, it's it's debatable which one you can give it to. But Star Wars is essentially what started the summer blockbuster. Also, during that time, I watched a documentary about Star Wars not too long ago. They were saying about during that time period in the 70s, because I was not born at that time, uh, it was a very rough time in the in the economy. It was a very rough time in America. But you know that uh, this provided a door of escapism. That's what a lot of people were looking for. They were looking for an escape to a different world. And Star Wars provided that. So it's just like almost like the right place, the right time, the right opportunity with the right elements created a cultural phenomenon. I have to add one uh, one more thing to um, Pep's, you know, calling the remote, using the, you know, automatic door, just waving before it opens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I still do it sometimes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
got to. For elevators? Yes. Really, uh, really to... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, really to add on that, you could also say it was intended for, you know, or at least as George Lucas says, it was made for a younger audience, but it can appeal to everyone, uh, which I know a lot of people don't like hearing that. But it was. It was made so everybody could love it of all ages, and it didn't matter who you were. So kids could grow up waving their hands at a door and feel awesome, and then we could be adults and do the same thing, and then adults can look at it and say, that special effects was awesome. <laughs> You know, uh, everybody can enjoy the films, and I think that's also why it made it so special. I think I'm I'm going to be misquoting it, but I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, "Only a bad uh, children's story is one that only appeals to kids." Yeah, you also had that one friend or that one bully during school that you just wanted to go like this. <laughs> yep, loving her at their ass and just. <laughs> Nosebleed and everything. <laughs> All right, Chris, I think you're doing the next question, right? Yeah. So getting into uh, the characters and their journeys in this trilogy, how do you feel about Luke and the hero's journey, Han and Leia's love story, Han's journey as a reluctant hero, and Leia being a leader in the rebellion? And uh, Robert was first on this, so go for it. Uh, so... Luke is the classic hero's journey. Uh, any hero basically follows that same pattern that Luke does in A New Hope, where, you know, you get the call to adventure. Uh, you know, he's told about a bigger, deeper world. He is then befriended by a mentor who gives him more supernatural or sage advice. He gets tested. Um, and, you know, he triumphs. It's the classic hero's journey that's told very well that was made by Joseph Campbell, I think that's what his name, who kind of defined it. Uh, so it was like the perfect example of the hero's journey. Luke had that. And then you had the, the subtleties of what Princess Leia went from just being a princess. She wasn't a damsel. She was a damsel in distress at first, but then she chose that she could fight as well. So she showed that she was a fighter. She showed that she was a strategist. And she became a general and everything like that. Her, She had a great story arc. Everybody in the original trilogy pretty much had great story arcs. Um, who are, you know, the main characters from, you know, even Vader's story arc kind of got, you know, you kind of got a story arc for Vader as well for one of the villains. So it was one of those, it was one of those things where the character arcs for everybody was very, very well done. Even though they, they said some of the story plots weren't, you know, story points weren't, you know, plotted out over the whole amount of time when George Lucas first wrote it down, but it was just how everything connected, how the story arcs went from A to B to C. It was just really good to see. And then Hannah, I think you're next on here. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Rob covered just about all of it. Uh, there, I will say that, yeah, something that I really appreciate about the way that the main characters are in um, the original trilogy is that there's so much like subversion of expectations um, to be had. You know, Han, um, you think that he's gone for good a couple of times and yet you know he he really he can't let go of that part of himself that is a hero as much as he'd rather not be one um uh you know and leia um as you know i've already talked about the um the sort of subversion of the damsel in distress trope and then luke um he just his his demeanor even just changes so much um 
throughout the course of of the trilogies, almost in a way that to me is like a little weird sometimes. Just in terms of watching Return of the Jedi, I'm like, is this the same guy? Like he he is just so different in the way that he comports himself um, by that movie that it's a little jarring to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's a fascinating sort of study of like what can you do with these basic archetypes and how can you make them um characters that last through the ages more than you know most characters of said archetype have all right does anybody else want to uh jump into that all right seeing none Okay. So. Well, I, I I I do have a quick point that All I right. just didn't want to go first, but um, I I really I really do love, especially Luke as a character was so different, um, especially for for the times, he, his emotional state and the fact that his journey, uh, you know, he's not like He Man or a lot of other, um, heroes of that era where they rise up and smite their enemy out of revenge or. You know, what I mean, it's it's about uh, martial prowess. Now he does become a, a warrior, but of course, we find out that wars don't make one great. All of Luke's greatest feats are acts of pacifism. Um, you know, him destroying the Death Star wasn't him doing it on his own power. It's him trusting in the Force. Him facing Vader, he had the chance to get that revenge. You know, uh, but relented and it was his heart that really won the victory and i think that's just a, a really unique storytelling and I, I think that's one of the things that makes this a modern mythos um so yeah yeah i think luke is an excellent example of like positive masculinity and we're always talking about toxic masculinity and we don't ever like think to contemplate what his positive masculinity looks like and i think that's he's an excellent example um because he's not like he's he is a masculine figure um but he you know is compassionate and he literally wins with the power of love um which i think um in the 70s was um that stuck out with all the other male leads that were introduced at the time so i really love that about his character All right. Uh, so we know that the original trilogy was released in the late 70s, early 80s. And w when it came to the 90s, George Lucas and Lucasfilm re-released re special editions with remastered uh, and some changes to the original trilogy. Uh, and this was met with extreme hatred and vitriol from a lot of the OG fans. Uh, so for some of us that have seen the uh, original cuts and then seen the re-releases or just been around during that time. Uh, how do y'all feel about that? And I know Jeff was uh, the first one that wanted to talk about it. Yeah, so when I think about the special edition changes, um, there's definitely criticisms in there that make absolute sense. Like there were a few things in there that kind of kill the tone of some of the powerful scenes. There were a couple of things either taken out or added in that you know, most people would have preferred not happened. But at the same time, there's plenty of stuff that they added in that I felt like added to the overall experience of the films. To, so to sweep it under the rug and say it was all terrible, I don't think is fair. Because um, 
you know, I think about like the old emperor versus bringing back Ian McDermott. That makes absolute sense. And it adds to the story and it kind of adds to the experience to connect all the movies into this one moment and really branch out the lore and the mythos. Um, the effects are better. They were able to add in a lot of CGI effects, especially for a new hope. And during the death star trench run, it made it a lot more fun to watch. It's not, essential but it definitely added to the experience so it's it's a mixed review i don't defend everything that took place during the special editions but i do think there was some great stuff that came out of it i'll go real quick um mcclunky aside um george's uh changes like as a filmmaker i get why he wanted to go back and do the changes that he wanted to do because he didn't have the technology available at the time in the seventies that he wanted to do to, to completely do what he envisioned for star Wars. So I understand why he went back and made the changes the way that he did is as a filmmaker, he wanted to complete his vision and make it more perfect. Uh, you know, I get that as a perfectionist that you want to make sure your, your, your vision is perfect. You have a certain deadline, you have to get things out, but if you could go back and tweak it, would you do that? And he, he did that. So like, like Jeff said, not all the changes that he made were great, but then there were a lot of things that small, subtle things that added to the experience and elevated certain areas. Like he said, especially the Death Star trench run, the the effects from the lasers and things of how the ships dove and things like that, it looked a lot better. Um, so not everything he did was great, especially like for some reason he had a McClunky. I don't know why that was there, but yeah, there was. Um, yeah, not everything was great, but for the for the overall most part, I understand why he did what he did. Yeah, as someone who as someone who actually appreciated the 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 effects of the prequels, um I wasn't one of those people who kind of clamored that there was too much of it. I was I, I was loving just the the entire scape of that world and having seen Coruscant and everything just come to life. Um I appreciated him going back and updating a lot of things in in the original trilogy that kind of just uh, brought it more together um, in terms of um, a, like a visual piece because there was there was a huge leap and it was very jarring to go from the original to go to something that that was supposed to be before but looked better technologically um, like the starships looked like they were in the future instead of in the past so from a to- storytelling perspective to narrative it didn't make sense that the the technology had leapfrogged going back in time. So, I mean, when when they updated the graphics and the the visual effects for the original trilogies, I appreciated it. Um, and I, I guess my only my only uh, gripe with the special edition is um, taking out Yepna. Uh, question question for the floor: uh, Did Han shoot first? Yes. Yes. He's the, only one, he's the only one that shot. Exactly. This is first. It's the only one who did. I got five words for you. Jedi Rocks is a bop. <laughs> <laughs> Legitimately, the music is so much better in the remastered version of Return of the Jedi. I Even the Ewok song, it's... It's iconic. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's catchy. I'm at you, it's Hannah. Better. I'm at you. <laughs> yub, nub. Both are good. But, but what? Who was I talking about this with recently? Someone said, like the Ewok celebration, like 
that music, the, the updated music kind of encompasses the whole galaxy, whereas Yub Num is very specific to the Ewok culture. And I think that's why I like it. Well, I like it better because that's what I grew up with. But like, yeah, I think Yub Num is great, but the whole galaxy celebrating and like, I, I don't know, I think that's an interesting way to look at it. It's like a grander celebration, the new one. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's, it feels bigger and it also feels um, like a more conclusive <laughs> end to a trilogy. So what I I'm hearing say. is that we need a mashup. Yub Nub, Ewok Celebration, throw them together. Mm. See what happens. Yeah. No, what you're yeah. hearing is I like Yub Nub. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to kind of back up uh, Hannah and Sawyer here because, you know, I... I think back to Yub Nub and I wasn't, I'm one of the few people who wasn't super on board with it. I didn't like it too much. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it doesn't stick out to me, but you know, with the updated version and like the song at the end, I get chills every time I hear it. Cause it's just this beautiful array of John Williams saying the galaxy is free. The heroes have won. And now we can close the book on the story. It's beautiful. Uh, well, so, well so let, let, let's all uh, show some love for John Williams, who, if it weren't for him, uh, mm-hmm. he, he adds so much to Star Wars. Man, yeah. put his foot in, in, in this. Put his whole yeah, foot. put his ankle in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A whole damn leg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John Williams made it so that uh, it would be timeless. Everything else at that time had like synth type soundtracks. Uh, and Star Wars would feel really dated now if if that's what it had, and it's so powerful. And then also, I do yeah, love me some some Yub Nub, but uh, I I have to to lean towards the uh, victory celebration, just for the fact that when I hear Yub Nub, like you guys said, it's a smaller celebration, and to me, it really brings to light the fact that these Ewoks don't know what's happening in the greater galaxy. They're celebrating all the human flesh they get to eat over the next coming months or whatever. Like, that's all. They, they don't know what's happening in the galaxy. They're like, we got food for days. Like, they were going to eat uh, Luke and Han. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I could, I guess I could um, digress to kind of like a, a transition because a lot of Yub Nub includes like percussion from the scene that they're in. So it makes sense as well, visually and compositionally. So if they went from like the Ewok celebration, like, and then like transitioned into like, you know, escape of the whole galaxy into the victory celebration music, that would probably be a better um, compromise. So what you're saying is you want George Lucas to go and make more changes to the, (laughs) so what you're saying. No, I'd probably I'd probably be down for someone to just do like a fan edit. Yeah. We we need more big dinosaurs that just walk in front of the frame. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I really like that idea of like this small scale that goes out into this galactic, you know, storytelling because I feel like that's what like Star Wars is. It's like a really intimate story at the heart of it. Um, that's so universal, which is why it feels grander than it actually is. But really, it's just like a, a soap, a space soap opera of this family at the heart of it. I mean, there's other things too, but I'm talking about the Skywalker saga. It's really just this elaborate soap opera. Um, so I think I like that idea of the small branching out into the large. All right. 
Well, speaking about uh, getting into the large, uh, let's talk about Rebels. Um, so Star Wars Rebels came out. Uh, it was, was it the first uh, thing that Disney uh, did with uh, Star Wars? Did it come out? I think out? it came out shortly after Force Awakens. Did it? Okay. I believe right. so. so. So Star Wars Rebels uh, took place after um, the Clone Wars, obviously, but before A New Hope. Um I remember my first impressions of the announcement of it. I was mad because it canceled Clone Wars, um, but I know I grew to love it. Um, so what are your thoughts about the show, the characters, the world building, your favorite moments? I know Hannah wanted to go first on this one. Yes, I love Rebels. Um, I just finished it pretty recently. I vastly prefer it um, to almost, to, I would say I, I vastly prefer it to any other Star Wars TV show. Um, Clone Wars is still great, still love it, um, but I just wasn't as emotionally involved in Clone Wars. Um, and I think that Rebels really is a character study, which I love. I, you know, all my favorite Star Wars movies are the character study movie. Um, and uh, it, it just, like, it really, really, really makes you care about these few specific people and their stories and what they represent as a whole. Because I feel like, you know, rah, 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 we represent the Republic can only do so much for me. Um, whereas, you know, representing a rebellion it feels a lot more significant and a lot more, you know, contemporary and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I I just, and you know, at the heart of it, it's it's not so much of like, a pure war story. It's a story about people. Um, whereas, you know, the Clone Wars is very much, I would say, a war story. Um, so that's what gets gets it for me. That's what I love about it. And I will say um, it has so, so, so many great arcs and so does the Clone Wars. But I, I you know, I always think about Twilight of the Apprentice. I always think about Trials of the Darksaber. Um, those are the, the standouts for me. Um, and, uh, you know, an unexpected episode that made me cry, which is difficult was um when Hera was talking about um when she was a kid uh, you know she was like stranded on some planet the plot of that episode is not even that important but she talks with this guy about um when she was a child and how she became a pilot and it just yanked out my heartstrings for no reason and um I, you know Clone Wars could never do that for me in that same way of like oh my god this is so unexpected and you know I didn't realize that I cared that much, and now I'm, you know, my, my heart is being pulled every which way um, when she talks about how she, she, you know, wanted that freedom of being a pilot and all that kind of things. So I, I just think that, for me, it has more emotional weight um, than Clone Wars. And I know that the point of this is not to compare it against Clone Wars, but um, it's hard not to just because it, it so often is pitted as, like, the worst Clone Wars, but I don't agree with that even a little yeah, adding to what uh, Hannah said, it's definitely a, a strong character study. I mean, you get to know every single member of that crew, and in just season one, they all have an episode dedicated to each one of them. And then as the seasons go on, it just builds and builds and builds until by the end of it, it's like it's legitimately a family that you care so much about that their smaller scale problems mean more than Lafal. In, in some cases, you know, but again, that is always the adventure on the horizon is saving Lethal. And it's just so wonderful. 
and also just like Hannah said, it, it's hard not to compare it to Clone Wars because it so often is, and many people find it like blasphemy if you say Rebels is better than Clone Wars. Personally, I I think it is too, but I think it's just because of how many great stories we get, in it. and we get fantastic stories in Clone Wars, of course, but. Um, that era and those characters really make that story just so rewatchable where, you know, I, I think if, I think if somebody was to ask me, you know, what do you do when you rewatch Clone Wars? I'm like, yeah, there are certain arcs that I could just go over and not care too much about. I can't do that with Rebels. Mm. Rebels is always, every single episode is important. Uh, and I love every single one of them. So. I'll just say really quick before I have to dip out. Um, um, whenever people ask me why I prefer Rebels over Clone Wars, is because for me, Clone Wars is kind of like a is kind of like an in betweener. It's always stories um, that provide context for the prequel era with characters we already know and are invested in, and that's okay. It's a great it's a great show. But Rebels made us fall in love with new characters their own entire story, their own arc, gave us a lot of force lore, um, but there was a through line there. It was not It was never just kind of like, here are, here are submissions and, and battles that happened in the Clone Wars. So Rebels had, and their characters had their own arcs and their own stories and it made, it, made us fall in love with them. And that's what is so successful with the Mandalorian because he is a new character as well. Grogu is a new character. So anytime we get uh, a Star Wars project with a new character to fall in love with, that's probably going to usurp anything that came before that is just uh, that is just um, like a show with existing characters that we already know. Because falling in love with new characters is always awesome. But, uh, yeah. And I think the existing characters of it is sort of a limitation with the Clone Wars because you have to get from point A to point B. They have a finite, you know, storyline that they have to fill in. Um, whereas with Rebels, they had the freedom to take it wherever they could possibly imagine because these characters are not legacy characters that we're waiting to see show up whenever. Anyone could die. Anyone could, you know, you don't know what's coming. Whereas with the Clone Wars, there's this looming knowledge that Order 66 is coming. Um, which in some ways makes it better, I will say. But um, in Rebels, there is just that edge of your seat risk all the time because you never know exactly how it's going to go because there is no you know, prescribed ending. Yeah, and uh, just, like, just like B said on the last question, how Star Wars is at its heart this a small intimate story that has this greater radiating impact. That's what Rebels was for me. Um, and that's that's why it's it's my preference because it is this small, very very intimate story. But everything that happens there, the start of the rebellion, has these huge echoes. And I think that that um, uh, micro to macro scale is like what Star Wars truly is to me. Um, additionally, I've already said I, I prefer you know the, the character development and story to big action set pieces. Uh, so I think it had that in spades. Uh, I think overall there's less filler. Uh, there's certainly filler. <laughs> there certainly is filler, but I I can't I can't watch D Squad. I just I just can't do it. Um, and and uh, also just like um, just like 
Pep was saying, this is a new time period, a new era. I My favorite era is the prequel era, which is funny because the prequel movies, on average, are lower than the others, but the Clone Wars adds so much to that era that it pushes it to, to the top. I don't really think of Rebels as so much adding to the original trilogy era, because I, I, I very much keep it separate in my head. Um, and I think that is one of the reasons why I love it so much. So uh, I'm in the camp where I like Clone Wars better than Rebels, not taking anything away from Rebels. I do enjoy the TV show. Uh, the very interesting thing is Rebels was the first thing that Disney did as um, uh, for Star Wars. It came out in 2014. Cause I remember that because I went to Star Wars Celebration in 2015, and the uh, they premiered Season 2, Episode 1 and 2 at Star Wars Celebration. I was in the audience for that. Um, so that was an awesome moment there with the rest of the cast and the rest of the fans and seeing Vader show up. That was just an awesome Star Wars experience. But, um, yeah, I enjoyed Rebels quite a bit. I do like how everybody else mentioned that there were new OCs, there were new original characters who added more to the mythos. There was more things. They even brought back Thrawn, uh, Thrawn which, you know, he had got expelled to the Legends territory, but he got brought back to now he's actually canon. So that was pretty cool um, that he was there for that. So. I did enjoy Rebels. All right. Um, so one of the things that uh, Rebels did, uh, besides uh, you know bringing in new characters for us to care about and then cry about when when they die, uh, was um, it built more upon the lore and uh, talked uh, taught us more about the Force. Um, so does anyone want to talk about the lore building and our understanding of the force that we now have post rebels? I would just like to thank rebels for the Bendu and the world between worlds, because I uh, literally like, I love thinking about the world between worlds. Cause I feel like even though we are introduced to it, we still don't know like anything about it really. Um, and I feel like I'm excited to see like, like for like the Ahsoka show, like on the tagline for her show or whatever, um, you could see like the world between worlds, like iconic, whatever you want to call it, around it. And I'm like, I'm excited to explore that part of the Force because Star Wars is best when it's weird. I love Star Wars is the best when it's weird and mythological and things like that. And I also really like the idea of like the Bendu because people are always talking about like gray Jedi or whatever, which don't exist but anyway um and like he is actually like in the middle um and he in in a different way that i don't think we've thought about before in star wars and i just think it's i think it's so dope and i really enjoyed that like opening up the force um beyond the sith and the jedi and showing like the force is more than just this conflict between these two orders it exists outside of this conflict and it has its own goals and purpose and I just think that was really dope that Relables showed that to us. Also, can we get a little commotion for the Purgles? That that was really cool. That was a massive lore build. And, and honestly, it made me think of Avatar The Last Airbender, how, um, you know, they're like, oh, the firebenders learned firebending from the dragons who were the original firebenders. The people who explored deep space, you know, learned it from... Um, these creatures who could do it organically. I think that that just brings, I know it's on the force per se, but it just brings so much depth and um, interesting stuff to, uh, 
to the world of Star Wars because, you know, light speed travel is such an integral part of what we know as Star Wars. Yeah, I, I do remember the first time I saw the Purgles and I was like, space whales? And then after watching the episode, I was like, okay, I can dig it. Yeah, them taking off at the end of that episode, I remember just being like, oh my God, that's amazing. Yep, like, that's what does never it. Never knew that was possible, you know? And that last airbender connection is Dave Filoni did work on the last airbender before he started working on Clone Wars and Rebels. So I can see definitely that, that thorough line between the shows there. All hail Dave Filoni. <laughs> um, but yeah, does anybody else ha- have any closing thoughts on Rebels? A lot of people are turned off by the animation for no good reason. It's not a good reason. You you get used to it after one episode if you think it's weird in the beginning. Everyone like cites the weird hologram image of Anakin. Like, look how they massacred my boy. He's in it for like 20 seconds. Get over it. Yeah. It's not a good reason to not watch that show. And then, because I remember I, I complained to Rob about that when they first did Not so much the animation itself, but like the lightsabers. I'm like, they made them skinny. It looks weird. Um, but then I, I, I got over it. But I also think like the animation in Rebels to begin with is a lot better than the very beginning of Clone Wars TV show. Like the movie had money to pump into it. But that like some of that animation in the, in the beginning of uh, Clone Wars was was rough. Yeah. And as I told you why they did that is because if you look at the original trilogy lightsabers, they were skinnier. They were just yeah. about everything off the original trilogy. So that's what I told you to get over it. Yes, I know. I learned. I got over it. Jeez. <laughs> that's that's still a complaint that I hear. They're like, why do they make the lightsabers toothpicks? And I'm like, did you watch the original trilogy? Yeah. <laughs> like, did you do you remember how they look in that? Um, honestly, uh, I was going to add to uh, something that Chaco said where, you know, it kind of exists outside of the Age of Rebellion for him. And I was going to say it's almost like a through line, like it connects the Clone Wars in the Age of Rebellion a little bit. I mean, I know we have some time um, in between, but I just wanted to talk about like one of my absolute favorite episodes was the final battle of the Clone Wars that took place in Rebels. And it was literally like a celebration of Clone Wars in a whole other TV show. And I just remember freaking out at that when you see battle droids in in that episode. And I'm just like, ah, oh, this is this is this is just cool. It's cool to see these worlds collide. Yeah. And like looping back around to like the animation style, I actually really appreciate it because it was styled after the original um like artwork, like you know, like when they have like those art books for the, the concept art. The mm-hmm. concept art. Yeah. So it was based off of that style. That's why like the animation looks sort of like painterly. Like if you like look at it, like zoom in, like you could see like almost the paint strokes and it looks like a painting. And I think that's really dope that they're paying homage to like the original creators of the of, of Star Wars, of this world, by trying to emulate that art style um, in that format. So I really love the animated style because it, it it shows the love that people put into Star Wars and the thought behind it. So I really love the animated style, the animation style. So I hate when people, like, hate on it because I'm just like, it has meaning. It has a purpose. <laughs> I mean, Darth Vader looks the best in Rebels. Like, his design in Rebels is fantastic. Oh, hell, Ralph McCary. McCary? No, I say his last name. He's the guy who did most of the, uh, the concept art for the original trilogy, so he did an amazing job. All right. Uh, Chris, uh, you you got this next section. All righty. 
Uh, hey everybody, how's it going? Okay, um, so we can talk about Solo and Rogue One for a bit. Um, this is just open for anybody. How do we feel um, about these films in general? The sort of films that were just, you know, the sort of standalone Star Wars movies that we've gotten uh, so far recently within, I guess, the past few years, I would say. I love them. Like, um, I went and saw Rogue One. I, I don't want to say by accident, but um, my mom <laughs> had gotten offered to, uh, like, she, her company set up, like, a screening for her and like a couple of her coworkers and said, Hey, you can bring a couple of guests. So she texted, she texted me and my brother and she was like, do you guys want to come see this movie? And we were like, yeah, sure. And I walked out of it and I loved it. And now to this date, it's my second favorite star Wars movie. Um, and solo, I don't have as much love for, but I do still enjoy it. And I think it is highly underrated. Although I'm kind of glad that it, uh, tanked a little at the box office because that showed Disney that they can't just do whatever they want. <laughs> That'll teach them. <laughs> they still haven't learned. No, they never will. Yeah, they're <laughs> swimming in their um, uh, you know, pile of money. They're good. I think I don't think they care too much, but yeah. And <laughs> it's on us for still watching it and talking about it and all that. <laughs> So I, I love uh, Rogue One. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, it is a war film, and uh, I enjoy the different aspects of it. Um, I love Chirrut. Uh, he, he is one of my favorite characters, Chirrut, and K2SO, Alan Tudyk, is a national treasure. Um, and so when we get to uh, the, the end of Rogue One, which I think is uh, everyone's favorite part in that film, just seeing Darth Vader like that as dramatic as it's a dramatic service for sure. Oh yeah, as as the dramatic Sith Lord that he is, he turns off the lights on his chest so he can better scare them. This man put his life on the line to be dramatic, and I absolutely love it. It's, um, it's fan service, but it's good fan service. Yes, fucking delicious. Tell me, tell me not. I mean, oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I feel like that's fan service done well. It doesn't detract from the story, and it just, everyone enjoyed it. It didn't distract anybody. It was just there, and it was dope as hell. What was distracting in that movie? Bringing back Tarkin. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Wow, as you think, yeah. Oh, yeah, the CG CG on their their faces was not great. Leia's wasn't as great either, to be honest. But I'll... But I was like, at least Leia is alive. Yeah, I'm like, let that man rest in his grave. <laughs> I think that Tarkin looked fine. I don't. I I actually I didn't I, like Leia's CG though. Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't I like Leia's of, CG, but Tarkin was, in my opinion, I thought Tarkin looked there, good. There were a couple of people who were saying like, "Oh, you're disrespecting him by uh, like just making his performance artificial and using his face." Um, I will admit that the CGI could have been a little cleaner, but you can only do so much with the face of someone who's no longer there. You can't de-age someone who is not actually that person. But um, I don't think it really – I don't think it is insulting to him because you know the way that the actor performs and the way that they portray this character is the way Peter Cushing portrayed him – in a new hope you know if he was alive today this is probably how he would be doing if there was a scene where 
he was coming out and saying a bunch of yo mama jokes or he was saying something like turn down for what lord vader then it would obviously that would be standing <laughs> on his grave that would be disrespectful this was a it was really cool to see uh tarkin coming back and b it added to the overall story in my opinion. Uh, the cg guy wasn't wasn't my main complaint it was just like i'm like i know he's dead it w- was that the the valley hidden valley or something like that is like i know he's dead I know he's dead, and so it's just like I can't separate that. So Maybe my thing is, well, who, who right. you can go. You can go. Uh, my thing is with uh, when it came to Rogue One, how at the end of Episode Three you had somebody who portrayed Tarkin. You know, they didn't speak; they were there on screen for at least thirty seconds and looked just like Peter Cushing, like a young Peter Cushing. But in the deleted scenes of episode three, there was also Amon Mothe as well. They brought her back for Rogue One. So I was just thinking, like, if you could bring back Mon Mothe from episode three, why didn't you at least try to bring back the guy who played Tarkin in episode three uh, to portray Tarkin as well? So, I mean, there were a couple things, like, I didn't like about Tarkin CGI, but for the most part, I did, like, and enjoyed Rogue One. Enjoyed Rogue One. Wow. Can't talk. <laughs> Uh, and, and then when it comes to Solo, uh, so I just did a rewatch with um, several people uh, this week, uh, people that thoroughly enjoyed the movie because I uh, was originally uh, real against it. It was at the bottom of my list uh, for, for all Star Wars movies. And I, I can say I have a better appreciation for it, but some of my criticisms still stand. I don't really like the actor that played Han. Not just him being Han, just I just don't like him as an actor. Uh, I don't think he he uh, portrayed that very well. Um, I, I still am in the camp that this should have been a Lando movie featuring Han Solo because Han Solo's origin story was in A New Hope and we don't have an origin story for Lando. I agree with you. I think that would have been better. I mean, personally, I don't like Rogue One or Solo. They're my two least favorites. The only thing that saved Solo for me was Donald Glover's performance. Um, Otherwise, I felt like Solo was just totally unnecessary and it sort of demystified Han. And I preferred Han to have like this cool mystique about him. And then for every single thing ever important in his life to happen within like a few days, it was like, come on. (laughs) It was was just, it felt silly and unnecessary to me. So I was not a fan of Solo. Also, yeah, I, I don't I don't really like how Solo essentially still made Han a hero. Like, I, I like the idea of him being a reluctant hero. Exactly, I like the idea of somebody exactly. telling him, hey, you're supposed to be the good guy, but he still won't buy into it. Like, I would have I thrown all of my money at the movie if right at the end of the movie he still stole the coaxium from the starting rebels because that would be more Han Solo because when we meet him, he's still supposed to be a, a swindler and a bad guy and a new hope. And, he, and yeah, then it's only through, right. Only through his uh, uh, connections with these people that he's meeting in a new hope that, is, that he becomes a rebellion hero. I, I, but of course we can't have Han Solo be a bad guy. That's ridiculous. Even though he <laughs> yeah, shot first. I fully, I fully agree with that. I gotta say, like, as someone who overly appreciates, like, I appreciate the movie, but these are really good points. Yeah, I really like Solo as well, even though some decisions I don't agree with, uh, but uh, it is what it is. I'm 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 not in the writer room. 
Um, I feel like watching the original trilogy, I never really view like Hansel, like he was cool at the beginning, but then he started talking and I'm like, this guy is such a goofball. Like, I'm like, he's trying to act cool and he's not like, he was like, like, I feel like he went complete simp mode for Leia in like 0.5 seconds. And I'm like, yeah, this guy is just a goof who's trying to act very cool. So like, I felt like Solo like kind of reflected that because he is just, he's a goofball trying to act cool and like over the years he just got better at it um by the time we get to a new hope so uh, you know i i like that aspect of it and i felt like no one ever was gonna you know perfectly embody han solo because no one there's only one word. Um, yeah and yeah there's certain i feel like a lot of the problems with it it was just because of all the the stuff happening behind the scenes like all that drama that happened so i feel like a lot of the storytelling got was disserviced by all of that. So I, I'm like one of those people like make solo two happen because I feel like they could do some really interesting things if they had like a solid like story team behind and like a unified vision and they had time to actually like think about what makes Han Solo Han Solo. Um, and maybe see him go into that little shadier side because I was a little disappointed by that as well because he is very heroic in Solo, which I, I'm i fine with being surprised, but it felt weird because at the start, he's like, of, of A New Hope, he's very like grumpy and like jaded. And I felt like, I'm like, okay, something else must have happened between Solo and A New Hope to make him like that. Um, so, yeah. Drama behind the scenes in a Star Wars film? Whatever could you be talking about? <laughs> Also, we can all believe that the last name Solo just exists in Star Wars, right? Like some guy didn't just look at him and say, you're alone? Solo. Oh, no. I hated that part. That's what I'm talking about. Like every single favorite thing. character happened in a few days. Like the Millennium Falcon, Chewbacca, his name, like the Kessel. The Lord, dice. <laughs> oh, the dice. Something that was just a prop in the background. <laughs> Yeah. To be fair, like that wasn't within a few days. That was um, he got the name, and then it skips to a few years later. Right. And cuts to the main events of the movie. My the name was, was the only thing. Rush was, was like separate. going down this checklist. Like we got to check every single thing that makes Han Han. We have to Wait. explain it all in a really short time span. Don't know if we're gonna get a solo two. Better put it all in the first film. <laughs> yeah, I I really didn't like. I think that's my biggest beef with that movie, the solo scene, because I feel like the the word the name solo is like so dope, and like I'm like it has to have like greater weight than some throwaway guy who's like hates his job or whatever and thinks he's being funny i'm like i didn't appreciate that like i'm like nah you can't do that it's, but it, it is what it is it's <laughs> so it could cue the heroic shot because i swear in that like I, watch it back and they literally is like han solo and then it's the actor going hmm. like, <laughs> like looking up it. all starry-eyed yeah exactly <laughs> so here's a question that i can pose to you guys um if Han would have chosen his own last name based on that same logic, would it have been better? Or is it just overall a goofy way for him to get his I, name? I think I just would have been fine with him just having the last name Solo. Like, yeah. okay. Solo is just a, like, if Skywalker can exist, Solo can exist, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. And I don't think that that was, like, the one thing that ruined it. It's just, like, for me, a laundry list of things that made it not work. There is power in a name, but we're going to get to that when we get to the sequels. Uh, uh, if we make it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm probably going to have to so head we, uh, out pretty soon. So, Chris, yeah, they discussed quite a bit. I think we can skip that next question. I think we have pretty good 
solo yeah. Rogue One opinions. Uh, Chris, you want to talk about uh, Legends? Yeah, I do want to skip over OT Legends and go to the Old Republic Legends because I know that's Sawyer's jam. Uh-huh. Um, Am so- I the only person who can speak on it, though? Because if so, like... I don't know if you're the only one, but I know that I, I I know you're the old Republic lore master here. True, but if I'm the only one who was going to say something, then I mean we can we can just talk about it a little bit, just um just for people that don't really know. Um, so the old Republic came out well during the lull between uh, the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. And so it sort of cultivated this diehard fan base, uh, especially surrounding Revan or Darth Revan, depending on which version you like more. Um, So what is it about this fan base that makes them so dedicated to some of the characters in there and then also makes some of them gatekeepers? (laughs) Well, you have to look at the context of when the Old Republic came out, right? So the Old Republic came out at a really dry point in Star Wars in between really it started with in between attack of the clones and revenge of the sith and at the time the movies were not doing it for the fan base so in comes this legends content that's really good and really different okay they finally have star wars that they decide that they like um so i think that is really why the old republic became as successful as it was because it took many many years for people to warm up to the prequels and uh these other stories were really solid and something else, you know, in a time period where the Skywalkers didn't exist and that was new and different. So I think that is what cultivated that, you know, energy around the old Republic and they kept it going, you know, up until, well, still, I mean, they still update uh, the MMO, you know, like they don't write the books. They don't, they never made KOTOR three, even though they were supposed to, but you know, they, that continued the MMO came out in what like 2011 so kind of recent and people still play them they still they'll go all the way back to KOTOR even though the controls are ass um and yeah they I mean there's just something about being able to tell a story as intricate something that the old republic did that i guess we kind of see in the prequels a little bit given how many planets we travel to but the old republic really kind of emphasized how big the galaxy is especially with the books um and i think yeah that's the appeal surrounding it um i couldn't tell you why revan is i i don't understand i don't i don't i can't pinpoint a reason why he became what he is now especially because i mentioned earlier that i don't really subscribe to the darth revan thing because revan was a sith for two years that's it like so i don't understand i've got a revan hypothesis you have a revan hypothesis yes i do well i think it's because spoiler alert for kotor you get to play as revan I think that that is their self-insert Mary Sue. I truly do. Um, and, uh, you know, Mary Sue being like a, it's a, I know Robin's not a Mary Sue. I'm just making the, the comparison because um, it really, really feels like people's connection to those fan fiction characters that have this awesome power and you are that fan fiction character. And it's like, great, you have this awesome power. And it's a power trip for those people, especially those people who are like, let me explore my inner darkness and, um, you know, the Joker stand breed. Um, it's it's a 
like it's something that people could really sort of sink their teeth into and imagine themselves having all this power and all this darkness. And that's exciting for a lot of people, especially people who, you know, like to be assholes to other people. So I think that translates pretty well into the, um, you know, the, the legacy that Darth Revan has sort of left behind of these, you know, really, really aggressive and gatekeepy and rude stands. It's because I think that a lot of Darth Revan attracts those sort of qualities in a person. Um, and also because, you know, the, the light side, you know, the, the canon story of Revan was not the one that you had to play. You know, you could go around and be an asshole to everyone and be like, I am Darth Revan, bow to me. And I think there's a lot of power in clicking that, you know, dialogue option that says like, I am Darth Revan, bow to me. And I think the you know, that gives people like a high. Um, so that's my hypothesis. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I want to like reclaim Raven, you know, because I I love his love story with Basila uh, Sean. I love it, and I'm like, it was like the OG Raylo. Um, like exactly, exactly. So I I love it, and um, but every time I want to engage in that discourse, I'm like, I am not welcome here. I'm gonna leave. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're welcome here anytime. All with right, the two that's of us. Good. No, that's good. we are like the female equivalent of Chaco and Element. So, good when it comes to Basil and Revan in particular, we have opinions, and we'd love to hear yours. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I, I kind of spaced like one of the most important parts of the Old Republic, which is weird because it's like what I'm known for mostly. We get so much Sith lore out of the Old Republic, and that's not—we don't have anything from the originals or the prequels really we get yoda saying always two there are and having you know the mention of palpatine and how he had all his apprentices but other than that like you know we know all this stuff about the jedi and there was no sith lore and that's what the old republic brought granted there was njo stuff but that's not that's not the primary focus of njo and i think that um people really like hearing the origin stories of things that they already know they love. So, um, and you know, yeah, I just, the older public, nothing, nothing is like it in the Star Wars universe. It, it touches on a lot of things that other areas of the universe have not explored. So yeah, sums it up, I think. Well, well building off of that, is there uh, anything from, the old Republic that is now just in legends, characters, story arcs, anything that you want to be brought in either uh, part for part, exactly how it is in rebels or not in, in legends or um, slightly adapted. Um, well, I think we have to acknowledge that if slash when they bring that stuff into Canon, they have to change it. They have to change it. There's a lot of things that have been added to Canon that, don't match up Malachor and Dark Jedi. And that's that's like an easy fix. Like we have to get rid of the Dark Jedi enemy in KOTOR. Um, but there's this rumor circulating that's got a lot of fuel right now that they're going to bring, they're going to remaster KOTOR. I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to make it canon, but I think they're going to have to make some alterations to the story um, and hopefully make you know, gameplay changes, <laughs> first and foremost. Um, I, I don't know. I think that you, I, I think 
Disney has this challenge of, you know, they're setting up the old Republic to come into canon. They're, you know, giving us little pieces of that stuff. You know, in the High Republic, they mentioned some things. And the hunter-killer droids were introduced in The Mandalorian Season 2. Not HK-47, but there are hunter-killer droids in the the episode the jedi so you know they're giving us little pieces of this part of the universe um but they have to be very careful because these stories have existed for 20 years if they change too much that's not gonna go over well and yeah i get that they made people angry already and they didn't care about that but i it would it would be kind of the same thing to, i think as like trying to remake a new hope you know like, I do want them to make structural and changes. Like, I, I don't want them to just, boot, like, bring the game over and be like, this is canon, identical, because that doesn't make any sense. There will be too many fallacies. It's not going to work. Um, but part of me just wants everything to be left away because I don't want them to mess anything up. I don't want them to, you know, like, take the magic of being Revan and doing whatever you want with Revan, like to go away. And I don't know. And I certainly, certainly do not want a film or a television show um, regarding these characters, especially because of the fan fiction aspect. You know, we all have a different interpretation of Revan. If they single that down to one story, then this, what makes him special or her special goes away. Well, so I know with the time we have left, because I know some people have to go, and then I know uh, I, I didn't want this to go on for too long. Uh, I think we are going to have to revisit the prequels another time, because I think we have to get into the most controversial part of Star Wars, for yeah, better or for worse, in, in being the sequels. Uh, so, Chris, I will uh, let you take it away. We're going to start off with the nice parts of it. So we're going I'm actually, it. before you start, I am going to dip because I have a lot of homework. But thank you so much. Yeah, thank will... you for being here. Have a good Appreciate rest of your day, guys. Bye. All right. Um, so the sequels. Um, okay. <clears throat> so uh, what? It, for anyone who, uh, you know, really enjoyed the sequels, um, do you have any fond memories uh, related to um, watching any of the sequel movies at all? Um, I think Nicole's listed here uh, first, so she can yeah. go. Um, I think something about, um, I mean, first of all, I, I'm an actor, so I absolutely love the cinematography and the effects in all three movies. I think it was gorgeous. Um, and I think, I feel like the the cinematography itself was like an extra character. Um in in the sequels in terms of like there was just i mean just a, a shit ton of of of, of uh, world building in in that era um and um and of course seeing all the original uh trilogy characters come back luke leia han um uh, as a new fan it it felt like i had been here for all this time seeing them come and 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 interacting with these new new characters and and building these all these different types of relationships like um 
you know, Luke and, and Ray as sort of kind of like Master and Padawan, kind of, and um, uh, Leia and, and Poe as in, you know, this sort of, uh, you know, general and, and commander relationship first and foremost. And um, then it was a very familial type of vibe between the two, uh, very mother-son or even like uh, aunt and nephew kind of situation. So I think those are the, like my, 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 like my top fondest moment uh, or memory, excuse me, of just seeing all these relationships uh, with characters from different timelines coming together. Yeah, I would, uh, I would definitely have to agree. Uh, anyone else, uh, sequel um, memories, things that you uh, really liked or really enjoyed about the sequel movies at all? Yeah, I remember the feeling. I was in high school, I think, when the the Force Awakens came out, and it just completely <laughs> reinvigorated my love for Star Wars. Because throughout middle school, I kind of like pulled away from that because it was like a boys' thing or whatever. Um, even though I've like secretly loved it still. Um, but like the Force Awakens came out, and I was like, you know what? I, it just reinvigorated my reinvigorated my love for it. Like I remember when the lightsaber flew into Ray's hand. And it was kind of like saying, like, yes, girls are welcome to enjoy Star Wars. And that was, like, so major. And, like, that look on her face of surprise and, like, even um, Ben's face just looking at her and, like, oh, like, oh, shit. Um, that really was, like, oh, my goodness. And then, like, moving on to The Last Jedi, like, I'm a filthy Raylo. Um, <laughs> um, and, like, lots of Raylos have been theorizing that they had a force bond for, like, years. And everyone was like, oh, you guys are crazy. Raylo was essentially a crack ship. And then The Last Jedi, like, when that scene where, like, the sound effects started changing. And I'm like, I grabbed onto my dad's arm. I was like, is this happening? Is this really happening? I thought we were crazy just, like, theorizing in our own corner of the internet. And then when they had that connection, I was literally, like, I jumped up in my chair. And my dad was like, you need to sit down in the theater. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, like, the same thing happened when, like, Ben pulled that crazy move on Snoke. Um, okay. And Snoke was so confident. He thought he had it. But he, like, the level of focus, I was just, it was just so dope. And, like, seeing them the dark side and the light side come together to fight for like the first. Oh, so dope. I was so hyped. I watched that movie yeah. like five times in theaters. Um, so I think those are like my fondest memories. Like, sure. yeah. I also have some really fond memories of watching rise of Skywalker in theaters. Um, just, I, Oh, I mean, I was with you, at, you know, every step of the way in, in the last Jedi, for sure. All of the like Ray and Kylo moments. I was like, Oh, uh, hold on and that was that was insane that was you know i was like oh my god my fan theory is being validated they took that a step further i had been i was like a you know even at mostly before um last jedi i was like what if ray was a palpatine oh my god how cool would that be and it was just my fun little you know fanfic thing it was like ah that would be so cool i know it's probably not you know it's just probably like a kenobi or whatever and then I was waiting. I was just hoping they weren't related because I sh still shipped them um, in Last Jedi. And then it was like, oh, Ray, nobody. Oh, okay. I'm good with that. I thought that ship had sailed. And then when she did that Force Lightning, so Aaron and I were watching this and we've been theorizing it together. I swear to God, when I tell you I grabbed her arm and screamed as soon as that Force Lightning came out, <laughs> I was so taken out of this reality i was losing my mind so hard that i didn't even realize that i was supposed to think chewbacca was dead 
it was it was just an insane moment and then i was like oh no Chewie. Uh, the emotions in that theater it, it was insane and then of course I, I i screamed when they kissed as well because i was like oh my god i never thought this was gonna happen like i had no hopes and then yeah of course i i, I hyperventilated practically when when he died immediately after I was like, oh my god my adrenaline is all over the place today <laughs> part of that's me being an annoying Raylo, whatever. But part of it is because that story is so fascinating and so like, it, yes, he takes heavy inspiration from Anakin, whether Kylo himself knows it or not. You know, he's he's very much doing like, I, I would say he finished what his grandfather started in terms of he did end up, you know, giving his life for the woman who you know he he really cared about. Um, as opposed to, you know, casting that opportunity to be loved aside and just pursuing his own power, um, which he did in some ways. So I guess he's mirroring what Vader did with Luke. I don't know. There's all kinds of parallels there, but parallels in the best way. I don't feel that they're copies at all. Um, that was the story that had me on the edge of my seat every step of the mm. way. It was like, what is going to happen between these two? What is going to happen with Kylo? What is going on here? Um so I think my fondest memories do have to have to do with those two characters, just because that was such an exciting story to experience in real time. And I never knew where it was going to go. Um, I had my hopes, but you know, I would so. just like to edify Ben. Ben is not dead. He's taking a nap in the world. Of the world. <laughs> he is okay. He's just taking a little nappy nap. He's with um, his aunt Ahsoka. He's, he's good. He's okay. <laughs> really, really long blank. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I know for me, um, when that first trailer came out and pop up, you see Finn and I'm like, uh, bl- bl- a bl- black main character. He, the first person we see. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> and then, you know, he, you, you, you get to see him with the lightsaber, you see the millennium Falcon. And so I know that was, um, so I saw all three of the sequel trilogy movies at Disney world. And so um, when the first movie came out, uh, they did this huge celebration for it after the um, after the movie. So you, they went into what is now Hollywood Studios and they had like this big uh, on stage thing. And, you know, the like some of the parks were open. Star Tours was open, all, all that stuff. Right. So I remember um, I'm sitting in the theater. Uh, they staggered the releases because they had the entire AMC. Uh, every theater was The Force Awakens. Yep. And so they staggered it every like 10 or 15 minutes. So you could hear when other theaters were starting because you could hear the roar of applause and the shouting. And so when it was like two minutes to go, I went on my phone to Google the Kylo Ren gift when he activates his lightsaber in the snow from the trailer. And then all yeah. I see on Google is like Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren, da, da, da. Kylo Ren is Luke Skywalker. Kylo Ren kills Han Solo. And I'm like. Oh, no. And I thought so this was then, fondest memories. So Hold on, hold on. So I gasped, <laughs> and then Robert was like, what? And I was like, nothing. And so then I went and got the gift, and then I went back. By the time the movie started, I had completely forgot. Because uh, as soon as that, as soon as the, everybody just erupted and roared, and it's like, it's over. It's over. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, so I loved uh, seeing Finn. I loved when Ray called the lightsaber to her. Uh, Han and Chewie, Chewie, we're home. That that was amazing. So 
so those moments. Um, I think I've talked to Steve a little bit about this in the comments, but now you get to hear the full story. Uh, when Luke comes out in, on crate and he uh, gets, you know, Kylo Ren says, fire and you know all that like there was this mm. big belly like no just i was about to come out and then he just like appears out of nowhere and he just and i'm like <laughs> me and Wait steve, a minute. Me and hold, steve hold literally did the same thing same th I, th I think like four of us did that was amazing <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, the oh. force right there <laughs> i was just like wait hold on this isn't and then when he actually did die i was just like nah he's gonna come back <laughs> Um, but yeah, no. Um, and then, of course, who can forget Luke in The Rise of Skywalker lifting the X-Wing to the music from Empire? I, From what I'm gathering just from these react, I feel like we have more fond memories. Maybe it's because it's more recent, but sure. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're all, you know, full-fledged adults who are just loving these at, with all the previous movies at, in the back of our minds at the same time. You know, you loved Luke lifting the X-Wing out because it was just like from Empire, except he's finally doing it. It's these character uh, completion moments that are just so good. And Force Awakens, you know, I always put, like, Endgame as one of my absolute greatest theater experiences. Force Awakens, I remember the absolute cheer for everything like mm -hmm. of course bah, 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 like everybody loved that i remember the belly laughter and cheering that all happened at the same time when uh ray and finn are running and they do the whole like we gotta take the quad jumper and he's like mm -hmm. what about that one that one's a piece of garbage the garbage <laughs> will do pans and it's the millennium falcon everybody freaked out including me yeah they did and yeah. i just you know, it's just these it's these moments that just they make the theater experience so good. But then also like Force Awakens is my least favorite of the sequel trilogy. Not saying I don't enjoy the film, but the last time I watched it, I'm just like kicking myself going, this movie is so much fun. Like I forgot like BB-8 just doing the lighter thumbs up. How do you not just enjoy everything that is Star Wars <laughs> in, a, in a thumbs up. Yes. I know? just feel like recounting that, you know, the audience, it, the, the concept of experience that for the first time, it's literally, I have goosebumps. It's exactly. just insane. Yeah. Yeah. Like, also, how do you not um, I gotta say, like, as someone who's not a sequel trilogy fan, I gotta, yeah, like, the experience I saw every single one of them for the first time, it was always a fun experience. And there's even now, looking back in hindsight, in every single one of those movies, there's at least one, sometimes several scenes that I can peck out that I absolutely loved. So there's, I, I gotta destroy the notion that sequel or the opposite of sequel stands don't enjoy any aspect of the movie. They just hate it all exclusively. Yeah. There was there was a ton of stuff that I genuinely really loved in those movies. Yeah, I feel like as as a writer, I have a lot of criticisms of the story, definitely. Um, I was straight up depressed after The Rise of Skywalker, um, uh, and you know, but I really <laughs> do enjoy the sequels, and there are parts of the movie I appreciate now that I have got over my three-month depression after the movie came out. Um, but I revisited it like an adult, and I now have a different view of it. I still don't like it very much, but... Um, I can appreciate it in, in its own right, in its own way. And I feel like Star Wars fans need to do that more. Like, and not just Star Wars fans, just people um, consuming media. Like you can't, like you have to look at it critically, but also just like understand that 
people enjoy different things than you do and they're allowed to do that um and no one should receive hate for it or be pushed out of a community for it you know oh, most definitely well, speaking of things that some people enjoy and some people do not, yeah. this is an excellent segue to talk about The Last Jedi. Mm. All right. So uh, before we uh, before we start, who liked the, if you like The Last Jedi, raise your hand. I'm count. We got mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, and then what, four people liked it, and then we got two so-so, and then we got two so-so people. I put myself in that category as well. And who didn't like The Last Jedi? So we got two. We got two no's. We got three maybes and four yeses. Interesting. All right. So, um, all right. Uh, how do we feel about all the controversy, controversial parts of the Last Jedi? Uh, Luke's character, Luke's characterization, uh, the lore bending, lore building regarding the Force, um, Ray being a nobody, Finn and Rose uh, taking a trip to Vegas. Just anything that was controversial about the Last Jedi, we can just go ahead and discuss. So. Um, Whoever wants to go first. I can go first. Um, so I will give credit where it's due. The forced lore building I actually thought was really, really cool. Like in that movie when I was sitting there in the theater, especially in the theater, and now even looking back on it in hindsight, that was one of the strongest parts of the movie for me was especially Luke explaining the force to Ray. Like it's not a power and it's not about lifting rocks. It's the balance between all things, the tension. That's kind of the, like, that's a perfect description of it, I think. But, um, you know, Ray being a nobody, at, I was one of those people who kind of hated it when I saw the movie. I was like, I wanted her to be a Kenobi. But now that I think back on it, especially now that the rise of Skywalker has happened, I do like that more than where she came from. But it is ultimately the writer's decision. So I, I can't complain too much. I just would have preferred... Um, that they would have kept it as a nobody, but that's just one of the things that throws off the sequel for me. Um, Luke's characterization in that movie, there's, it's, it really is a toss up on whether or not you like it because I understand why people can buy it. I understand why people enjoy it. But for me, it's just, I think back to the times like um, that I'm watching a new hope when you had the world's biggest optimist who went in to save his father, who was literally the most evil man in the universe, aside from Palpatine. And he said, I see the spark of good in him. I can bring him back. And then in the movie, you see him with his natural instinct. And the, the argument is like, that was just instinct. He immediately regretted it. But you see him who sees this darkness in Ben. And instead of like sitting him down and having a conversation with him, his first instinct is, all right, let's just kill the kid. So... I can understand why people can buy it, and there's definitely arguments to be made. It's just that's one of the things that pulls it away for me. And that's why when Kathleen Kennedy says it's not a divided fan base, it's a loud minority. No, it is something that you literally split the the group right down the middle, and it's just there's good arguments on both sides. There's gatekeepers on both sides, and it's just at the end of the day, I just want to talk about movies, and I want to – Take, I want to take Star Wars seriously because if we take it seriously, then that's how you get great movies and great stories like we have before. And there's not much to say about Finn and Paul, not Finn and Paul, Finn and uh, Rose. Rose going to the casino. There's just nothing good about it. That's just hot garbage. Uh, before before Robert goes, uh, or, or before Robert or Hannah goes, uh, one thing I want to say 
Kylo Ren Ben Solo was 23 years old. I see like so many people say that he was a boy. And he was like, Luke was going to kill a kid. I was like, no, he was 23 years old. He was a grown man. Yeah, that I actually didn't know. Yeah, yeah 23 years old making questionable choices. But you know, yeah, he was 30 in The Force Awakens, right? right. Uh-huh. Uh, 29 in The Force Awakens, 30 in The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, there you go. All right, gotcha. Um, so I will start off with things I did like about The, uh, the Last Jedi. I thought that it was a beautifully shot film. The cinematography was excellent like the scenes with crate and salt and everything with the red the rollout with the designs with all the red posters were amazing john williams score was amazing this was probably the best acting that mark hamill has done probably in his life uh so he he took the assignment seriously and did a great job um but then there were a lot of things that fell flat for me in that film as well uh, as Jeff was talking about the characterization of Luke Skywalker, what didn't really connect with me was the same things he said, which is, you know, you have the world's biggest optimist who saw the good in his father, yet he sees the evil in his nephew and automatically tries to kill him. That's his first instinct. I didn't, I didn't agree with that. I didn't like that. Um, there was also Finn's character about how, you know, like the whole last movie, you know, he was learning how to fight for a cause bigger than himself and then Essentially, they kind of paint him as, you know, a coward again. I didn't necessarily like that. Cause, and even though he was going to look for, uh, even though he was going to go look for Ray, when he was talking when we first met Rose, it made him seem like he was a deserter instead of actually communicating why he was trying to leave. I didn't enjoy that. Uh, I think Rose had the potential to be a great character, but it was with shoddy writing why she didn't come off as a better character. I uh, like that whole thing with, with, with Canto Bright could have been essentially reduced by about a good 20 minutes or taken out in general and it probably would ended up being a much better paced film uh, I did enjoy the Holder, Holdo, Holdo maneuver I can't talk I thought visually that was exciting to see I thought it was brilliant to see it was just an amazing amazing shot I remember after watching it the first time I turned to Christopher and said I don't think I like this movie and that's the first time I think I've ever said that about a Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. And I had to see it a second time for me to appreciate some of the things that I didn't really enjoy at the first viewing. But it took me a couple viewings for me to appreciate the some of the qualities of the film. Juxtaposed, uh, uh, before he said that to me, I was just like, I think this is a top three Star Wars film. And my opinion has, it, it's in the middle for me now. It's the Bindu of Star Wars for me. Yeah, it's not my least favorite Star Wars film. That's that that still goes to Solo for me. But um, like I said, I turned to Chris. I was like, right after, I don't think I like this movie. But, it really is one of those movies that like you're either gonna love it or you're gonna hate it. Yeah, right, and I think that's Jedi because fans, it's where you're at. Yeah, I, well, I was gonna say I think that's because it's so different, and that's what I love about it. Um, I don't hate the Cantabite thing. I thought it was the weakest part of the movie, far and away. Um, but I will say, you know, I, there were parts that I really enjoyed, um, definitely went on too long. It was the slow, it was the slow bit for the movie. Um, and you know, uh, Finn and Rose's, uh, story, I came out of the theater thinking like, yeah, that was like the least exciting part I would say. Um, however, once I started thinking about it a little bit more critically, I think it did kind of the best job out of the, the trilogy of, fleshing out and examining Finn um, because he, you know, he, we get a little bit of that examination in the force awakens, but we're still sort of finding our footing with Finn. 
um, he's okay. He's, you know, uh, he, he's debating whether to run away entirely or to, you know, do this risk because he's the kind of person who hasn't taken a whole lot of risks and suddenly he's taken a, he's taking a bunch and, you know, he's getting overwhelmed in the last Jedi. He's, he's going back to, you know, what he can find comfortably. He's going back to like his friend and he's assuming that protector role um, because he's still acting out of like, you know, I, I found my place in this rebellion because I found these people, but these people are all that I have. And these people are what's holding me here. And through that he goes and he sees, you know, um, more of why the world really needs the rebellion and specifically him in the rebellion. And by the end, he's, you know, he's ready to sacrifice his life for that cause. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's a, that's a massive growth. And I think that that's um, one of the strengths of this movie is that it is so much of a character study. Um, and we do, you know, come out of it with such a greater understanding of every main character. Um, uh, Pose, you know, arc, I think gets overlooked a lot. Um, when people say, you know, there's like forced feminism in the sequels, I will say, you know, Haldo's arc is the place where if they were going to do some forced girl boss feminism, they were going to do it there. And they didn't, in my opinion. They, you know, she never says, you know, oh, you can't trust me because I'm a man. That's like, oh, or because I'm not a man. That's like a little bit in the air, I guess. But it, they don't make a point out of it at any given point. And they could have done that. And that could have been kind of cringy. But they chose instead to, you know, tell a much better story about Poe himself wanting to be the hero all the time and sort of not wanting to relinquish control on something that he really cared about. Um, and I think that, you know, it was better for it. Um, and of course, you know, the the story arc with um, with uh, uh, Luke and Kylo and Ray for me, is the strongest arc in the saga. I think that that's absolutely fascinating. I love that dynamic. Um, yes, Luke is very different. Um, and the problem, the only problem that I had with Luke being very different was the comedy didn't really land for me on Octo. Um, and there were some of the jokes, you know, I, I enjoyed the porgs, but the, oh, I feel the force. I'm tickling your hand. I felt like that was um, sort of like a, a weird thing to have Ray do because she's already like familiar with the force. So what is that? I, I think that's almost like when people say, you know, Ray has to be so smart to make Han look stupid. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. But in this case, I'm like, why is Ray looking stupid? Is it to make Luke look smart? Like what is going on here? Um, but I, I thought that was almost like, it was a little bit of a disservice to her, I would say, to, to make her like that airheaded in that moment. Um, but uh, I, you know, overall, I, I love the film. I, when I start a rewatch, it's because I wanted to watch The Last Jedi and I'm like, well, now that I'm here, I better watch Rise of Skywalker. Well, now that I saw that, I guess I better go back to the prequels, you know, and then I start doing a rewatch, but it's always The Last Jedi and my love of The Last Jedi that sparks it. But obviously, you know, it's not without its problems. There is some cringe humor in there. Um, I still don't like Rose saving Finn. Um, it is my opinion that the movie might have been better if Finn had sacrificed himself, but I'm not totally sold on that either. It, just the way that that scene itself was like a little wonky. I, I just wanted something a little different there. Um, especially the the kiss between Finn and Rose. I don't personally think there's been a kiss that made less sense than that that kind of felt like it was 
misplaced for me. I didn't really understand because um, I didn't feel like it was building up to that. But I mean, those are just my opinions on it. Um, so I, for me, I, uh, I got to real quick. I got to say, I really wish I didn't have to leave in like five minutes. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Not a problem. I, I yeah, understand. I well. um, Sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. For for talking about Finn, so for me, the last Jedi was the beginning of the end for Finn's character, and the reason why I say that is because Finn, as a child soldier, did not need that lesson about the um, intricacies and the brutalities of war. You know, he grew up in a propagandized uh, society that he ultimately rejected, and so for Finn to be able to um, uh, get that lesson about what's wrong with war and seeing that, you know, the, the rich are still being fine. They don't care about the first order or, or the resistance. I don't think that, uh, he, he needed that. Um, so I think the better art for Finn would have been staying with Leia because who better, uh, to teach him about putting away his, um, you know, his his wanting to protect Ray and wanting to go be with Ray, then Leia, who is not going off in search of her brother, she's been in this fight for over thirty years. Um, I think that was the the connection that really to be made. And if you were going to make Poe this hot shot, I'm going in for the win, which he wasn't in The Force Awakens. Um yeah. I think then you have him go with Rose to Canto Bite and see that, you know, what what's going on outside of it. Um, and, and that, that's just it for, for Finn. And then I think I don't, I wouldn't have want him to sacrifice himself and die at the end of the rise of uh, the last Jedi, but seeing what we got in the rise of Skywalker, I kind of would have rather preferred it really quickly. Anyone who follows me on TikTok knows that I completely agree with Chris. I think Finn's the most wasted character in that entire trilogy. Yeah. I think Finn's character was dead in the water the minute they didn't have a black writer writing him. Um, uh, because they had, um, colorblind casting for all the, the, not all the characters, but for Ray and Finn, they had colorblind casting and you cannot tell that story, um, with colorblind. It's not just like a, he's not a generic dude. He is a child soldier, which is very relevant to black children, especially in Africa. So it has cultural relevance and you cannot write that story without acknowledging that because it's a story that people can relate to. Um, there's also the element of like being forced into essentially slavery, a child that was stolen from his family. It has cultural significance the minute that a black man is playing that role. And so I feel like they did not acknowledge that enough because his character was created as a red herring for Ray in The Force Awakens. His, so his, I feel like his character was had potential, but it is not potential that, um, that writer room could possibly see. Um, and um, yeah, the Canto Bite scene, I think that, it, yeah, it's probably the weakest part of it. I do think Finn needed his own like side quest or whatever, but um, I feel like that was also trying to bring in like, cause like Star Wars always trying to tell, like have political connotations to like what's happening now. So you're trying to make um like, basically the the military industrial complex is trying to address that but it wasn't really done well because it felt oddly placed because 
we don't really know anything about the new republic or where the first order came in from like what's the first order's beef with the republic like we don't know any of that stuff it like it's kind of like the story just exists like i feel like a lot of the world building of sequel trilogy is so weak like we get a lot of the stuff with the force and things like that but like like what's happening with the people like after like we see all this connotations that happen in like the prequels and then we have the clone wars and rebels like after we have all that meaty stuff of understanding what the galaxy looks like when we get to like what's supposed to be wrapping up the story we have no idea what the galaxy looks like anymore so we don't know what's at stake at all and i feel like finn's like canto bite should have been something else that helped us give context to what exactly you're fi- they're fighting here um yeah. yeah, I think just to quickly build off of B, because this is just going to go straight into directions of the characters of the trilogy and the diversity of the sequel trilogy, is mm-hmm. that when you have Finn as a black character and you throw him on posters and you throw him in the uh, trailers and promotional material and you show him with the lightsaber and saying like any character that we had seen on the big screen with a lightsaber was a Jedi. So you throw that to us, you then use him as a red herring for while we have this uh, women representation, it's ultimately still a white character used used a black character as a red herring for a white character. And that is inherently problematic. Mm -hmm. Well, also the same thing. It's like, I've talked about this so many times. I thought Finn's background was just way more interesting to me. Uh, It's just because, you know, the whole this person grew up on a desert planet and she seeks out adventure. We've seen that twice before, once with Anakin and once with Luke. We've never seen a stormtrooper defect from the organization that he was brainwashed from as a child and then possibly have force abilities. That's something we yeah. haven't really gotten to see. And so I'm. it's not that I'm entirely against Rey because of that alone, but mm-hmm. I feel like when you're backing it up with or when you're putting that next to what we could have gotten and what we were promised, then it just becomes clickbait. And it's, it's just so hard for me to sit there and think like, what was the reason that they pushed John Boyega and Finn to the side? I mean, I think it's obvious one of the reasons why they did that. I'm not saying I agree with it at all, especially since he was a person of color. I don't agree with why, but look at the way women are treated in the fandom. I mean, women are, I don't think that they had a lot of confidence that women, a female character, a main character of a Star Wars movie would have brought these people out to see it. And I think that's why they were pushing that it was about a man because they know how women are treated in the fandom. And I just don't think they thought people would go see it as much. I'm not saying I agree with their choice. I'm just saying, you know, if you look at the fandom, it makes sense. I'm not saying it was a good choice though. But yeah, look at how I, they treated John Boyega when the first promotional art came out. Like, I was just about to, yeah, go ahead. Ugly, Steve. like it didn't, it didn't even matter what, what they did. The pe- there are people who are in the Star Wars fandom who are afraid of diversity, no matter what it looks like. And as a black woman, like I see both sides of it. Like it didn't yeah. matter which way it was going to go. People were going to hate it. And I feel like Disney as a corporation, like we're literally talking about how like they don't care. They're sitting on a pile of money. And I'm like, sit on that pile of money and do something good and don't be cowardly with the decisions that you're making, um, especially in terms of diversity, because you could really hire anyone. Everyone wants to work for Disney, but yet the casting room, the, the, the writing room constantly looks the same and they keep on making the same mistakes. And it's just like, look, you have all this money. You could do whatever you want. We are literally prisoners to you. Like do something new, <laughs> do something different. Um, and 
champion that, be the spearhead of diversity and things like that. And they're constantly shying away from that, which is really disappointing. Which, yeah, yeah which like even change the posters as far as advertising in China. It's like, it's like you know, you know why, you know why. It's also the. I same do have thing, to like, run. I'm so sorry. I gotta. But thank you so much for having good. me. Thanks Bye, for being Hannah. here, Hannah. Bye. But that's the thing with like the gay kiss in the Rise of Skywalker. They're like, oh, look at this. That too. We're doing this representation of the gay community. I'm sitting there like, oh, you mean that thing that was in there for about three seconds, maybe less, and you can easily cut it out for Chinese audiences. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're being real progressive, guys. That's just that's one of those things where it's like it does it's not progression anymore, it's pandering. And it's it's just yeah. Disney knows that there's marketability behind that. I mean, all decisions are kind of fueled that way though. You know, everything is about money at the end of the day. I don't think anything is about like they're trying to do their best or, you know, serve a certain audience. It's all about money. It's all marketing decisions. As far as the gay kiss went, no, I don't think it was perfect. No, I don't like that it was edited out, but at a certain point we have to say, you know, progress over perfection. For me, I appreciated that there was a little bit of progress there. No, it's not perfect. No, I don't think it should have been that small of a scene, but it could have just not been there. At all, and I think, like I said, progress is important too. Yeah, I could write a book about this. <laughs> um, and I, I think, because uh, I did a video about this yesterday, I think um, that you know, looking at characters and their screen time. So for the top ten for across all the Star Wars movies, I don't think it counts the animated Clone Wars movie, uh, but all the live action movies. Uh, looking at the characters with the most amount of screen time. Ray is at four, which these the sequel trilogies are a lot longer, so that makes sense. Um, Finn is at eight. Kylo Ren doesn't even crack the top ten, and mm-hmm. yet Finn has a not really a noticeable or discernible arc that finishes anywhere, and Kylo Ren has a completed arc, beginning, middle, end. And so, when John Boyega says, "Is like, oh, you have no, you had no idea what you wanted to do with my character, but you knew what you wanted to do with Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver." I mean, that's very true. Um, and so, Finn as a character holistically is a tease. He is a tease to black audiences. He is a tease of a stormtrooper turning into a Jedi. He is a tease of stormtrooper rebellion. Um, he is a tease of force sensitivity. You could say tease with Finn Poe. Mm-hmm. everything yeah. about Finn's character is a tease. Not the only reason why I hate the sequel trilogy, but it's up there. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's unfortunate because I feel like so many people will cling to that about Finn to use it as a way to um, tear down Rey. It should have been Finn as the Jedi or it should have been this, it should have been that. And I think it's huge that we finally had a woman actually have the hero's journey and not you know, be there to like you know, just be Anakin's emotional support to die when she gets sad, you know? I think it was awesome. And then Leia was so sidelined after A New Hope. I think it was so great that we finally had a female have that journey. And I would have liked more for Finn also, but I just feel like it's a very common thing that people who don't like the sequels will cling on to that as a reason to, like, tear down Rey. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's why I try... That's why I actively avoid tearing down Rey using Finn. It's like, anytime I criticize Rey as a character, I always focus on that at face value alone and one of the cool things like um when i when people say there isn't um much female representation and they don't have the hero's journey i one thing i do always want to point out is unless you're counting rogue one and while uh jen urso is not a jedi i do think that her story is one of the strongest ones at least in the movies that we've seen because you know 
in the beginning, she's like, I don't care about this rebellion. I just kind of want to go my own way. And then by the end, she's yeah. literally putting her life on the line so that she can save the entire galaxy. But I mean, as you said, first of all, she's not a Jedi. Second of all, it's like a one-off movie. You know, it's not a trilogy. It's not the thing that everyone sees. It's not the thing kids dress up as for Halloween. And it was just so overdue to have that in a trilogy. I mean, and it that's why, been, and that's why I have a problem when people saying, "Well, we'll get a Finn TV show or a Finn book." That is. Exactly oh yeah, I agree. I definitely wish they did more with him. Also, my my thing with Finn is that um, I I feel like his strongest story was in Force Awakens. He had the coward who turns hero at the end arc, um, and that's very reminiscent of Han Solo. And I think if they treated him more like Han, if they had determined right then and there at the end of Force Awakens, which they obviously had before filming and shooting the movie, that even though marketing was saying Finn was going to be the guy, it was going to be Rey as the main character. Then at that point, they needed to treat Finn as one of the other original trilogy characters. My pick would have been Han Solo. Han Solo is the same character after... A New Hope. He's the same character in Empire Strikes Back. He is the same character. He has no other lessons to be learned. He is just Han Solo at that point. If they just took the best of Finn and used him as strongly as a character, then that would have been better than trying and failing at other things and then putting him in the spotlight and then pulling him away. It like It just didn't work the same. I feel like if they focused him more as a Han Solo, that would have been stronger than what we got mm-hmm. and, and i do I, want to bring up i know jeff do you have to go yeah i was gonna say i gotta go but this was awesome thank you guys for having me no th- yeah, no problem nice thanks for here. being here yeah i do want to bring soon. up Bye. i do want to bring up rose because rose had i think like 14 15 minutes of screen time in the last jedi and then which was like on par for for lando and empire and then instead of getting to be able to grow, got one minute, I think like 14 right. or 15 seconds minute uh, and 15 of screen seconds. time. She was, she was absolutely yeah. supposed to be Lando. And they said, nah, the fans didn't like her. And then they used the argument like, well, she, she was supposed to have more scenes with Leia. And I'm like, that's fine. Then give her more scenes with somebody else. Yeah. She doesn't even talk to Ray at all in that movie. Yeah, that there's like a strange. screenshot of her having a scene like um at at celebration. There was a there was like a screenshot of her talking to Ray in front of one of those like holographic screens or whatever and it's not in the mm-hmm. movie, but they were clearly having a conversation that got cut out. Would have um, been very nice. Yeah. And then and, it, Oh, sorry, go sorry. ahead. B. I was going to say, like, Nicole could probably wax poetic about Poe, and I think the decision to let Poe live, he was such an interesting and compelling character in the Force Awakens. He was charismatic and all these things. But I feel like the sequel trilogy shouldn't have been a trilogy because they had so many interests. It should have been more movies because they mm-hmm. had so much to do and so little time and so many characters like like Poe. I love Poe's arc in The Last Jedi, but I feel like I'm like, I was like oh, they're jamming so much into this movie that like it, they're not serving these characters well. So I feel like the, the Rise of Skywalker was jamming so many things. because They're trying to give closure to so many things that like people get left out and it feels like there's parts of it that feel redundant almost. And I'm like, if they had like maybe just like one extra movie. Should have been two parts. Yeah. yeah it right. should have been two been parts. Two. And I'm like, and like we would have gotten more. I think we would have gotten to see more of Ben Solo Redeem. We would have got to see more of Poe being a leader because I feel like we didn't really get that because he goes off uh, on an adventure. And I'm yeah. like, he literally is established as a leader in The Last Jedi. We don't get to see much of that. Like he just like, oh, you're a co-commander. And I'm like, I want to see him be a leader. I want him to yeah. see, take on that position of Leia because I feel like 
the sequel trilogy was about bringing into the next generation. And I felt like they didn't, you, we don't get to see them acting too much of the, the, the next generation because they're still growing in the rise of Skywalker. And it's like, it's so abrupt at the end that their, their, their stories come to a conclusion. But I, I, I wanted to see more of everyone. And I'm like, everyone I feel like is like, ah, I want to see more of Poe. I want to see more of Rose and Finn and Ray and Penn. And I feel like I, we don't get a lot. Hopefully we get a TV show or something. I know it's like, not the same, but like, there's so many questions I still have. But you know, to that to that point, Anakin Skywalker, Padme Amidala, those characters are way better now because of Clone Wars. So if we mm-hmm. got something on that scale for the sequels, and then suddenly yeah. Poe was better, Finn was better, <laughs> Ray was treated better, you know, like then I feel like we look back at these characters way more fondly. People love Padme. And she did nothing throughout those movies, but she's fantastic yeah. in the Clone Wars. So yeah. if they got that treatment, that would be so much more appreciated. Then the question becomes, do you do that during the sequels like Clone Wars did, or do you do that post? post. Um, so, um, and I, then- I, I think what would be the best is, um, say we took the Rebels approach, but Rebels at the end did a epilogue, you know? Mm-hmm. Make that epilogue a season. Mm-hmm. Give us time yeah. in between movies with the main characters, watching them grow and learn. Finn first realizing that he's Force-sensitive. That would be very interesting to watch. And then final season, say it's season three, say it's four, five. That is what happens after the galaxy is saved. What does Rey go off and do? What does Finn go off and do? Is mm-hmm. is Kylo's alive in some strange forced mythical way, you know, like they can tell these stories and there's still time to do it, but people look at the face value of it now and they're disappointed where I think many people were with the prequels as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know we're going to wrap up soon because I know we all got other things to do. Uh, Nicole, do you want to wax poetically about uh, Poe? Do you want to stay on brand? <laughs> I mean, uh, um, I think Steve was making a, a point earlier about how it would have been really cool if they had Finn kind of follow the same story arc that Han did. And that um, reminded me about how a lot of people, uh, and I think if I'm wrong, you can very much cor- uh, correct me, uh, even like the writers themselves were kind of like, yeah, you know, we, we want Poe to kind of be like this callback character to Han, um, you know, yes. snarky, yeah, snarky hotshot flyboy, all that kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, they added in a, the, the Spice Runner thing, which I know is incredibly polarizing and it makes sense. So it, it's just... Yeah, um, and since now we're talking about, like, you know, what kind of series we could see for the sequel characters and all that stuff, it'd be interesting uh, if 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 Disney uh, thinks, uh, since Disney knows that they can do whatever the fuck they want um, and have their own solo movie, where the fuck is Poe's solo movie? If you guys are so hung up on, on, on saying, yeah, let's have Poe be, like, you know... Uh, this newer, fresher Latino version of, of Han, where, where the fuck are you guys doing with that? Um, especially with, you know, uh, when B mentions, like I would have loved to see 
Um, and I and I don't mean like uh, you know the exact kind of storyline. Like, I, I don't I don't care much to see Poe before uh, the sequel timeline. But like, let me get a Poe solo or something after the timeline. Let's fucking see him right. be commander or, or 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 you know if they weren't so you know uh, so afraid. Uh, let's see what mm-hmm. where the relationship with Poe and Finn would go and. And 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 it's a friendship build too, as well with with Poe and Ray. I mean, I feel like there was so much potential lost in there as well. From seeing seeing Poe and and Ray introduce uh, themselves to each other at the end of Last Jedi, and then I mean, I I enjoyed it, but I mean, it was just sort of like this huge jump. Uh, seeing that, and then at the you know at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker, having them see like kind of bicker back and forth, like it was enjoyable. I liked it. I thought that was one of the more cuter scenes of Rise of Skywalker. But like, what happens in between there, mm-hmm. in between the end of Last Jedi and beginning of Rise of Skywalker, within those sort of relationships that like you know I would have loved to see more of, and that's why on my TikTok account I do like these sort of like POVs of like with Poe and Ray, and like you know I feel like this conversation happened in between these two movies, or I feel like you know uh, um, uh, Poe and Finn had a had this sort of conversation or this sort of interaction. Like it's just yeah, I'll always champion that. Like uh, of course Finn is has to be the top uh, wasted character, but like in terms of relationships, mm. I feel like uh, uh, Poe comes right underneath. Finn like it's just I mean like I said like you they uh, the writers paraded that uh, that Poe is like the new Han sure but like how does that carry out into his relationships with other people and like we right. got that that one part with Zori and Rise of Skywalker like great okay cool we have a new character at the at, in the last movie what what more what more uh could could come from that so well- one of my biggest gripes with uh, the sequel trilogy is that the big three of their main characters did not have a lot of screen time together. Like where yeah, in a New Hope, you had Luke, Han, and Leia there on that first mission together. You got to see them bond. Even though they got broken up in Empire, they still came back to each other near the end of the movie. And, you know, in The Last Jedi, you finally see Poe meet Rey at the very end of the movie. And, like, you know, Nicole was saying that, you know, then you get to them in the, the Rise of Skywalker and they're bickering. It doesn't really translate well to screen because we never really seen them together on screen together to establish that type of relationship. You know, everything was established in off screen, which was annoying. But that's, like, one of my biggest gripes that you never saw them together as a group. And one of my favorite parts yeah. of the Rise of Skywalker was seeing them together as a group because I was like they they were effective. There was chemistry there. There was effective dialogue between. Yeah, them. yeah. Could have had that. Go on, I agree. Three films, but you didn't do that for some odd reason. That's that was one of my biggest gripes of the sequel trilogy because you had light character, you had well liked characters in Ray, Finn, and Poe, and they never really interacted with each other until the last movie. I think yeah. that's interesting because. I never viewed, like, everyone calls them the trio, Poe, um, Ray, and Finn, but I never viewed Poe as part of the trio because originally he was supposed to die in The Force Awakens. I always mm. viewed <laughs> Kylo Ren, Ray, and Finn as the three, the trio because they were marketed together and all those things. And also, like, the parallels between their characters, both, all three of them are introduced with a mask on, and, like, The Force Awakens was all about them removing, like, that mask breaking and then becoming their own people and i always felt like they were meant to be the trio Mm. um but like i feel like the sequel trilogy doesn't follow the map of the pre the the previous trilogies where there is a clear trio because there are so many more characters in here so they were trying to break the mold of that trio 
but then like they were trying to impose the trio again in the rise of skywalker i felt like the rise of skywalker was the conclusion to a trilogy that never happened that makes sense like if the like yeah. yeah, like I like if I could separate it from the first two movies, it's an okay movie. It yeah, fit. Yeah, yeah. But then when I'm trying to like piece it, make again, make that connection to like what happened in the Last Jedi, I'm like, how did what, everything change? Right. Like I'm like, it's like it feels like a conclusion to a trilogy that never happened. Um, it's like, and I'm like, I don't know, like what what happened there? There was like, there's so much dead space. Um, so and, many stories that could be told. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and and to this day, they're still adding storyline for Luke in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Like, oh, apparently he had a yellow, a yellow lightsaber now. Like, that's I wonderful. Guess. That's you know, wonderful. And, but like... It's like, that's awesome. <laughs> but, you know, we could yeah, still get yeah. some more characterization for these characters. Uh, Poe being a spice runner, as as problematic as it is, they could fix that with a backstory about him, about him trying to find his place in the galaxy. And he takes a bunch of odd jobs. And Zori just yeah, knew yeah. him as the spice runner, Poe. <laughs> Say he tried to be a bounty hunter. Say he tried to be a delivery guy. Like, everything until he realized, I'm a pilot. And that's yeah. his journey. That's what you can tell. And then it just... Then we see the best of Poe and the rest of the, in, uh, uh, of the trilogy. Um, they can build on these characters so much still. Uh, but again, it's we all look at them face value now because it's what we got in the movies. Um, yeah. I mean, they tried to do that. They tried to rectify sort of the Spice Runner uh, thing for Poe with that novel. I don't remember the name mm. of it right now. But they ended up fucking up the timeline with that like it along the way. So it's like, I feel like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's like how B said about, about Finn. I feel like if they had a person of color in the writer room, it would have... I don't. I, I I feel like somebody would have been like, "Hey, can we not fuck up the timeline real quick? Like, yes, let's fix this. Let's fix this problem or fix this part of the story plot. But like, let's let's not let's make sure that like it's still like the 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 pieces still fit together. Like, uh, I feel like, uh, or you know, if I could, I'll do a, a fact check sometime. Uh, if there wasn't a person of color in the room uh, working on that novel, I mean, I mean, if there was, excuse me, then I feel like uh, some some issues could have avoid it all together yeah i i hate to to cut off this discussion because we're we're really going strong here but i know uh <laughs> that's good. We could definitely know. do a part two if we wanted about to hit the three hour mark yeah <laughs> we're at two and a half so we're, half, we're definitely, yeah. gonna have to, definitely gonna have to do a part two and i feel like finish talking about the the sequels and the future of star wars but also get back to the prequels um for sure so for sure i know that we have a lot of future projects coming down the timeline for so star wars ain't going anywhere anytime soon <laughs> um i know i would like to thank all the guests that will be here i will start off with the people that are no longer here darth chaco element uh sawyerism discount book Catan, hannah um jeff leopard 99 so thank you all for uh being here and now for the people that are still here uh thank you to my dyad nicole Bina Bees, always great talking to you. Explosivo Steve, Marianne, aka Screaming Namaste, and my older brother, who uh, debuted the trailer for his first feature film today uh, yes. across social media platforms. It, the trailer is also on my TikTok. Um, so if y'all haven't checked that out, make sure you check that and out. One more thing, really quick. If you guys have anything you want to plug, any upcoming projects or anything related to your uh, TikTok accounts and stuff, then just go for it. Yes. Uh, you can find me at Explosivo Steve, and after the discussion we had today, I want to make a lot more uh, lore 
and discussion related videos. So thanks guys for uh, the creative boost. <laughs> yeah, for sure. If you want more discussions of race in Star Wars and anything really nerdy, um, uh, I am on a podcast called Sisters with Sabers. Um, it's a for us by us podcast where the whole cast of black women just talking about Star Wars. Um, and it's basically on anywhere you can listen to podcasts if you are interested in that. B, I didn't even know that, so I'm cool. Either. Right now, <laughs> if you I ever like that, want I like that name visit. too, to be honest, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, that's that is awesome a name. perfect name. Yeah, yeah. there's like there's like eleven of us, so like it was a real rotating cast. Um, oh, uh, episode, yeah, it's really dope. And if you guys ever want to hop on, um, yeah, we brothers are always welcome on. Just like shoot me a message if you ever want to come on for an episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But all right, Chris, you you can you can take us home. All right, uh, yeah. Well, if anyone doesn't have anything else, yeah. Well, hopefully you all enjoyed uh, this episode of the Two Black to Nerdy podcast. Um, thank you again to all of our guests for coming on. Um, I think next episode we're gonna try to do Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, which just finished last week. So you got that to look forward to. And um, yeah, until next time, um, thank you for listening, and we'll see you all later. May the force be with you. <laughs>